All right, we are rolling. I think I have all the streams up and running before the intro was done. That's like a first, I think, <laughs> in most of our episodes. Usually you're scrambling. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm Matt. This is Jocelyn. This is Ungovernable. Um, we have an awesome guest, so we are going to get right to it as quickly as possible. Reminder on the bottom, like, comment, subscribe, share. Um, I don't know if it's any different for you guys watching, but I mirrored the camera. So, like, if you look on the screen, I'm on that. You can actually point to things that you're actually pointing to, which is different because normally you have to, like, you know, do the opposite. When kind I of teach, thing. when I teach, I do the same thing, y'all. You do the mirror, so I don't or you like do the an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. And you're pointing over here, and everything's over on that side, you know. So uh, we do have a bottle of wine here. Uh, if anyone's a first time watcher, we do get a little bougie, but not too bougie. This isn't this like was super not expensive. A good day, but we, usually we think ahead. Yeah, we did not go to like our normal little kind of like corner place that has like the nice little finds. We went to like you know Kings or whatever the, the grocery store. So um, they had nothing but it's like body. mainstream stuff. I'm gonna call it body. It's body or body. Body. But what's body? B a w d y. What the hell is body? Isn't that a word? <laughs> Body, it's I, like, I don't know. That's I a first for me. That's a word. <laughs> it is called. I'm look it up. I this know. is like uh, I got the the camera light is like sheening off of this thing. So this thing is called Freak Show. Uh, perfect for a Liberty podcast. Uh, it's got an awesome label. It's uh, Cabernet from I believe it's from California. Body, body, coarse, lewd or risque, dirty, Jeez. foul, dude. We're we are filthy. <laughs> I gotta say we're we're destroy we're destroying the the mainline liberty podcast narrative by doing nerdy shit like looking up the definition of the words <laughs> and drinking bougie wine. But you know what? Everyone's gotta have a Body. gimmick, right? I don't think it's bougie. All right, I'm gonna give Body. that to you to open. All right. Um, we have an awesome guest. So uh he's patiently waiting. And um I am super excited because it has been a long time since we've been able to have him on the show. Uh, Shane Hazel is with us this evening. Shane, how are you, sir? Man, you told everybody you had an awesome guest, and they're like, "Oh shit!" No. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> uh, we we started laughing behind the scenes like five you know, five minutes before this started. It's just been like wiping tears from my eye, and man, so cool to be hanging out again. And uh, like, I'm recording this on my end too, so like. I, I don't know, Matt, like, I, I know we talk about doing more shows more often and all that kind of stuff, but I really think we need to be a lot better at this kind of stuff because it's too much damn fun. And I, you're right. It is bougie wine. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, I don't know what, what buy, buy bougie. Uh, body, body, bouty. I don't know. Bouty. Bouty, bouty. Body. No, I, I was going to say, like, this is not work. This is like hanging out at like a college kegger. Like it's. <laughs> I was just saying we should get way more comfortable in our, in our in our pantry. A tap. We should get a little mini fridge and put a keg in there. Just get a pony keg in the background. You know. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's there's no there's no pressure. You know who you're going home with. All that kind of stuff. Like it's it's good, man. Like this is way better for uh, I don't know morale and everything else. Because um. So. I, I, I want to know what's been up. I mean, like the first thing I'm going to ask you about is how is the back? Are you rehabbed? Are you still going through it? Like what's the deal? I, uh, I, I find my limit every day. Yeah. I push a little beyond it and then I find pain. Okay. <laughs> so it's wake up, um, you know, get up and, uh, repeat. It's just find pain and, and repeat. But you know, I, I am gaining 
a lot more function. Uh, you know, like I, I tell people like there was a time when, you can, when I couldn't walk. And so, you know, now that I can like take a shower by myself and like scrub my entire like right leg down to my feet, it's something that I wake up and do every day just to be like, Hey, you've got, you know, this, this progression, right? Like you keep making progress, keep pushing, you know, the pain is telling you stuff, be smart about it, but like find the pain and then push just a little bit. And, you know, for, I don't know, four months out of having a, an infection in my spinal column and in the vertebrae of my back and, you know, being hospitalized, man, I, 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 I'm just thankful. I mean, just yeah. totally full of gratitude. So yeah, it hurts, but you know, could be a lot worse. That's crazy. Yeah. I, she, infection in your spinal cord? I, I don't know if we've ever told, like told this story. No, that's like, that's crazy. Cause you had to do basically two surgeries in really close proximity to each other and then do yeah. the rehab for all that shit. Right. Um, we, we actually had kind of like, and, and you probably had a situation where it, probably required surgery or something like that. We we have a love-hate relationship with doctors. I don't know oh, yeah. what, well, what your life experience has been <laughs> with that. But like I I mean like you could have had surgery and plates and shit in your elbow when you dislocated oh it. Well I was my first time I have a son who skateboards and a daughters who scooter. So I'm like I better get a longboard so I can keep up with them, you know? So my first day <laughs> Murphy's <laughs> Law. We shouldn't have been drinking. <laughs> 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 I'm like in the middle of town in front of like a restaurant and I go down and I dislocated my elbow. I mean, it was bad because I could see the bone and then I relocated it and then it fell out like two other times and I broke the bone. But I went to a, a doctor of what are they called? Or like an orthopedic, orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Orthopedic surgeon who's like big and he says, and he knew I didn't have insurance, but he took me like, I'd say six appointments or something yeah. to get all these tests. And he's like, you need to have a surgery. It's at least $150,000. You need to get plates and you have to get all this stuff done. And he knew I didn't have health insurance, but we had someone we were working with. And um, finally it comes to the point where he's like, let's schedule it, but I'm not going to do it because you don't have health insurance. But he did take thousands of dollars from me. So I went to another oh surgeon gosh. and this other surgeon says, you know, I don't think you need surgery. Uh, I think you just need a few months of like physical therapy. She's like, and if we did the surgery, we'd have to re-break it anyway. She's like, you could do that in six months if you needed to. And so I went to PT for three months and I have full use of my, and then she said if they had done the surgery with the plates and everything that I would have, um, I would have had massive issues and I wouldn't have had the flexibility that I have. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we we have a we have a love hate relationship with. Oh, I have more than that. With I, I get it. But yeah, my, <laughs> my infection uh, did not come about lightly, and hmm. you know, just mistake after mistake. Like I'm, I'm not seeing that guy, and like when I went into the hospital, that was it. Like I was like, dude, you've messed up so many times now, and now I'm in the hospital, and yeah. like you, you didn't, you didn't pay enough attention, and you yeah. made too many damn mistakes. So, yeah, it's. Yeah. It sucks, man. And then the other thing about that is like on the, on my side, it's like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but once the surgery was done, you know, to try to go and have somebody uh, look at you, that's not, you know, your surgeon, man, no, not even close. Like you got to be over 90 days out of seeing those people. And then it's still iffy because they're like, dude, that's somebody else's handiwork that happened back there. And I don't want any part of it. Oh my God. You become like an untouchable then. Right. 
Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, because I'm still doing rehab and I have no idea uh, if we're going to, you know, like full functionality back. Like right now, it, it doesn't look good. Right. So it's one of those things where, like, what do you do? And so I'm, I'm in the business of like finding another, you know, neurosurgeon to come in and hopefully uh, undo some of the damage that this guy, you know, did. And it's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I check out some holistic things. Here's a really <laughs> quick story because just I'll be really quick. When I was first pregnant, I had a stillbirth and um, I had a thyroid. It was a hyperthyroid that caused the only when I'm pregnant that caused me to have the um, stillbirth. So when I, I went immediately to an endocrinologist when I got pregnant this next time and they said to me, uh, you need to take this, this medication. And there's no, really no side effects. Everyone, I didn't want to take it. Everyone made, you made me take it. And um, <laughs> everyone was like, you better take it. So well, I the, took were, it. There were side effects, but what was it? One in? One in five million. Five million or something. Uh, one in five million gets, um, what was it? Liver. Yeah. Um, hepatitis, hepatitis of the liver. That's yeah. what I had. Hmm. So I had hepatitis of the liver and I'm pregnant. And I just got off a stillbirth. And he's like, we're going to have to take out your thyroid. And I'm like, I can't, you can't. And he's like, I said, can the baby survive? He's like, no, well, it's a 50% chance. Like he said, it's 50-50 if the baby will survive. I said, fuck that. I'm not doing it. So he sent me home. He's like, we'll make the appointment next time. I call my naturopath. I call my homeopath. I call everybody. And then go to the naturopath. And he goes, you know, hyperthyroid can be, if you drink, you know, drink basically a half a head of cabbage a day. Like that's all you need to do. And so I did this. It sounds insane. Like it literally sounds insane. It has goitrogens, which basically stops the liver, uh, the liver, the thyroid from going crazy. So I drank a half a head of cabbage juice for a week, but then I went back to the endocrinologist to just get everything checked. And he's like, oh, the pills are working. I didn't tell him I took myself off the pills. And he goes, your liver's great. Your thyroid's great. This is wonderful. We don't have to do anything. I said, well, you know, you should know this for other patients that um, I'm just drinking Get out of my office right now. He fired me. He told me when I fucking kill my baby, it's on me. Like he, I know it was so unprofessional. I left, yeah. ball, you know, I was pregnant. So I was just like bawling and I just, you know. He's lucky I was not in on that visit <laughs> oh, okay. right now. He, he screamed at me. Oh my. So you just, I don't trust it. I mean, you should check out some holistic things. Oh yeah. No, I, I... <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if cabbage juice is going to help you, but no. From from about 20, that's the thing is like I think I guess from probably about uh, you know 2004 when I really injured it while I was overseas um, to you know I guess this year uh, has really been nothing but you know trying to find a better way to not have surgery. And this is the first time, you know, going in and it was kind of the, the first one was super simple, non-invasive. I was great at four weeks, man. And then like at week five, that's when I degraded, like that infection took hold at week five. And that's when my mobility went to, to hell. And I was like, dude, something's really wrong. Mm-hmm. Week seven, I'm back on the table. And that was really disheartening, man. Cause I was like, I was bouncing back you know, from that first one, like a champ. And it was just, it felt good. I felt, you know, great. I was out, you know, crushing, you know, three miles a day already, you know, in in the mountains doing hiking and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, not lifting or anything, but like definitely doing what they told me, Hey, be, try to be as limber as possible. Don't do too much, but go walk any chance you get. And walking is always great for you. So yeah. yeah, I love walking. So let's go. Um, you know, it's a good, good, good time to put some good stuff in your ears and learn, uh, or just unplug from everything in, you know, where I'm at in nature out here. It's just like, yeah, man, 
it's it's good for the soul. It kind of good. So I'm a little over a mile right now, and I am I'm not rushing back into the surgery. I'll tell you that. But uh, you know, we've got we've got some things to find out. I think by the end of September. Uh, go back in for another MRI. I mean, I'm still on antibiotics. Like I'm like still, you know, six months later, you know, it's, uh, it's been real kicking, kicking the pants, but you know, we're, we're getting there. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, no, uh, that is, uh, that's good news. I think, uh, a lot of people were worried for you or at least sending good thoughts your, your way. Cause I know that, uh, you were kind of like, uh, you, you had some momentum and it kind of, you know, obviously you have to take care of your physical health. Otherwise, uh, what's the point of, you know, everything else, but, yeah. um, you, you were gaining some momentum. So I'm like, how has it affected, uh, you kind of, you know, running for governor or, or being involved in politics here in Georgia? Like, has that taken a, a, a backseat or are you starting to kind of get back in the swing of things? I think I'm, I think I'm getting back into a, a better groove. It's not consistent. It's one of those things where, you know, if, if it's been a really long day and I can't sit in this chair, man, it's like, I gotta go take a muscle relaxer and lay down, or I need yeah. to like spend some time stretching or doing, you know, uh, some e-stem or heat or rolling or, or, you know, trigger point stuff, like whatever it is, it's like, take care of this first because, it can't, if if you don't, you, you feel bad. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the steam that we headed into this year with just kicking ass. I mean, you know, two podcasts a week um, and all that kind of stuff kind of came to a screeching halt. You know, yeah. I've got a, a good friend down here that, uh, you know, I, I say good friend now. He was a guy that was a stranger. He said, I wanted to do a documentary on this run. Oh, wow. um, Jake Green, you, you may know him and, you know, he's part of the campaign team, does a ton of stuff, has started his own podcast down here. Um, and he started, you know, this, this whole, uh, you know, documentary and then in the middle of it, it's just like, bam, you know, uh, you know, you're done. You're not doing shows. Um, really didn't want to disclose what was going on while I was not in the house. So yeah. it was kind of a black hole, right? It was just like kind of fell off the map. Uh, and you know, campaign season took a you know drastic back seat, and you know it, it it gave me some good perspective though. And you know, now that we are starting to come alive into the home stretch, is really kind of what happens with Liberty campaigns anyway. Is really September October are your big like big push months. Everybody's going back to school, hitting a routine, coming off of vacation. And all that kind of stuff. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, I don't know, man, I don't believe in a lot of coincidence. I think there's a lot of really inner neat energy in the world and to kind of have this story to where, you know, you can, you're, you're fighting back and still, you know, the, one of the main things that you're pushing for is freedom and Liberty and like, you know, spending that extra time that you do have when you get back at it to, you know, you know, show people maybe what's maybe even more important than, than all of those things. Right. Which is, is family, like just, mm. just sweet time that you get to be a parent, which doesn't last very long at all. Um, and you know, that relationship with your spouse, the, the connection that you have with the world around you, like, you know, what are you doing in this world to be independent? Um, and for me, like, man, I'll tell you what, like, being a homesteader and not being able to homestead, right? Like I was the the brute muscle and a lot of like the, the carpentry skill around here, you know, and boy, that went to hell in a handbasket. And yeah. you know, instead of caring for the house, she's caring for me. And like, you know, I hats off to my wife for everything that she did. I mean, she, 
she got a garden up that produced tons this year, still producing, um, took care of the kids. We got chickens, uh, you know, like we've got the, the entire pen and, and, you know, friends and family that came out and like put the door on it. Cause I hadn't finished the door to the coop yet. Mm. And, you know, we live in the, in the mountains, like there's bear and fox and coyotes and like, you name it up here that'll come in there and eat the hell out of chickens. And it's oh, just, yeah. I had to happen and I couldn't do it. So, you know, to see where focus needs to be most is really one of those things that translates into liberty in, in terms of restoring independence to people. If you don't have, you know, that core, you know, I don't care if it's a family or friends or, you know, community, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's going to be very hard to be independent, like unless you're really just one kick-ass badass that can live on nothing in the middle of the uh, the forest out there and and do everything well okay cool but like man like those it's those relationships around you that especially when you go down for the count like i did that are gonna i don't know make, make or break a situation and you know up here i've got my brother his family my mom and dad uh, i've got her mom and dad that actually live with us so i mean it's it's a big, you know, family and, you know, my brother's got all his family up here too. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I will. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the honeydew list must be really long. About <laughs> you can't even um, help yourself now. It's just like, Oh, you, you think you can do this today? I was like, well, I guess we'll try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, something we've talked about a lot recently has been, um, you know, whatever life that you want to live, if, if whatever you want to call it, like freedom, liberty, you know, if you consider yourself an agorist or an anarchist or whatever it is, you know, a big L libertarian, whatever, you want to distance yourself from centralized authority. Um, there's some big components of to that that a lot of people gloss over. Like no. immediately they go to guns, immediately they go to, um, you know, abolishing the government and, and Bitcoin and stuff like that is. And we can definitely talk about that, too. Um, but so much of it uh, gets missed when it comes to Healthcare. personal health. Right. Um, and then that family unit that's around you. Right. You need some level of redundancy or diversification in terms of who you can lean on, because you're not always going to be at 100 percent. Right. Like there's always going to be setbacks. There's going to be issues or there's going to be something that you just can't tackle on your own or, or as a, a, you know, a close family unit. You need to draw on that like second or third you know layer of family in order to come in and help you out, you know, mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm really happy to hear that you uh, that you had that to to draw off. I think we actually question a lot ourselves. Like we do the math in our head sometimes. Or like, if if the shit hit the fan, <laughs> like who were we calling? Right? Like well, you know, I mean, it just comes like just just alone. We used to vacation with the kids, but my parents died in September, and we can't leave the house anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> we, we homeschool. We like everything. Can we be, no, can we be honest? That last part is the truth. Okay. We have so many effing pets. <laughs> that leaving the house has now become almost impossible. You ever, you ever seen uh, one of those billboards uh, speaking of liberty and independence and pets where it's like pets versus food. Where do you draw the line? Oh right? yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you just have a lot of food that people yeah. you know, are looking at. Yeah. Who knows? So no, so like we eat mostly like plant based or vegetarian or vegan, right? Like, um, but I'm I'm more on a different side of the spectrum than than you are, right? No, like, I, like, I, like I, I I I think if you hunt it and bring it in, like mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. 
I don't like factory produced shit and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So we try and get that out of our diet. But that's funny that you mentioned that because I say that all the time. Like we're talking about, you know, contingency plans. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the little dog's the first one to go because he only has three legs. <laughs> that's so mean. <laughs> it's really that? easy to He's chase only down. Got three legs. Like he's just, you know, he's going to be the last one. Stop. It's not even, there's more than three people in our family. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you're going to do what you're going to do sometimes. I'm just saying. Dad gets the big piece of the dog, right? I guess the big piece of the dog. <laughs> well, my my daughter just got a rabbit, so we're not going to tell her the uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. tell the secret on that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what: if you get another rabbit, you got yourself a, a sustainable food source. Well, there yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rabbits are crazy in terms of like the, the, these contraptions. I've seen people do, and I, we could go down and say rabbit holes. Pun intended, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, you know, obviously all their waste can be turned into hydroponic fertilizer, which it's very good grass. fertilizer. They told us to like oh, bring man. the poop outside to the garden. They're like, yeah, we haven't, we haven't done that, but yeah, you throw it sure. into a, a soluble mixture and now you can just spray it into the, the soil out there and it's, it's fantastic. Great. Yeah. Figure. I, it was, uh, so I, I did look at that at one point in time and then I did look at, um, what do they use down in South America? Guinea pigs? I think guinea pigs. Really? A lot of South American uh, like tribes and villages uh, because they're, I guess, like if you do the math, the math works out amazingly for guinea pigs. Like you can create a huge amount of biomass and protein uh, with a very limited amount of area, a little limited amount of upkeep and, and so food cute, input costs. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, we, I, I, I go down those rabbit holes all the time. Like, you know, I, I, I've talked to Sal the agorist a couple of times now about yeah. um, hydroponic or aquaponic setups, um, you know, and trying to figure that whole thing out. But, I would you know, like to do that. I, I would, too. But living in freaking New Jersey, it, it freezes over in the winter. Right. So, so we would have to create a greenhouse in order to put and it you kind of need it. power for a lot of that stuff, too. Right. Because you're running yeah. pumps, especially for hydro and do like hydro in the basement. Uh, wait, with like grow what are, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking about diversifying revenue streams now. Um, yes, I mean, technically you can do that. Uh, no, the the aquaponic setup is the one with the uh, tilapia, and then you grow the plants oh, over the top of it. I'm thinking hydroponics. Well, no, hydroponics you can use too, not just for you know, the good stuff, but yeah, you can yeah. also use for, for like, yeah. 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 But yeah. you were looking at one of those towers <laughs> or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. So no, we, yeah. we talk, we think about that all the time. I, when you do your farming at, at the homestead, is it most traditional like row planting and stuff like that? Or, or do you no. have anything else that you do? <laughs> you would be surprised how inhospitable the mountain ridge is up here, right? Like okay. it's not good soil. It's rock. Yeah. Uh, and so for, what we had to do is learn the hard way the first season and figure out that the soil just is not a good a good alternative. So we started doing some research. Uh, we found this uh, old technique that came out of Germany called Hugel culture. And Hugel culture, uh, like terrace? Not, no, no, not terrace exactly. What you do is you dig kind of a hole in the ground and then you fill it in with uh, very specific type of hardwoods. And there, you don't want pine or any of that kind of stuff in there. Uh, and there's a couple others that you don't want in there. I think maple might be one of them. But anyway, you fill in this hole with decaying logs. And what it does is you've got mycelium on the logs already ready that's starting to break down the logs. It uh, creates this environment where not only is it, you know, great for germination, but it also is, you know, 
always decaying. So it's feeding, but it's also warmer uh, because of the decay uh, coming out of those logs. So you can grow longer. But they used to, they make these like piles in, hmm. you know, in places like Germany. And when they would, you know, cover these things out and, and mound them up, you could like, like, yeah, kind of, I guess, an old style terrace where you kind of come up the, the the logs a little bit until it was about four or five feet high. And um, you would just, you would farm those things. But we did it in a way where we had um, these uh, aluminum, like six by three by two uh, containers that we bought and we put those logs in the bottom of them and then started covering up with some really, really, you know, nice soil that you can grow in that we just, you know, had a truckload brought in. Yeah. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, it, it makes it much easier when you got really good, soft, organic, you know, rich soil that, you know, you've got good pH control of and everything else. So, you know, she's out there, you know, every day and now she's got like you know the fall vegetables that are planted so we'll have pumpkin and broccoli mm -hmm. and this is and, and things like that for the fall and not to mention you know even just planting like you know flowers for um the the pollination of what's going on right because you and a lot of you know your vegetables you got to have pollination and you don't if you don't have flowers around you're not going to have bees and those things aren't going to get pollinated you're going to be like what happened to my crop yeah so, yeah, I tell you what, man, it's uh, it's really been a great education in terms of, you know, just, you know, this in-depth, like, really cool. And that's the thing is, like, people, I don't know, you know, I think people think it, you know, you're playing in the dirt and, like, you know, things just pop out and you're like, no, man, they're like, this is science, right? Like, yeah. There's a lot of science behind this kind of stuff, and it's free information that's out there. People are happy to share it with you. It's just you got to want to get into it and learn it. And it's it's one of those things that you're outdoors, you're in the elements. It's great for you, but it's hard work. This yeah. is Matt's first year, really. Yeah. Going after and a fucking chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> fucking got him, dude. So I I got started late in the season. Yeah, and so. I had some like I had I built I built raised bed. Oh, I see him all the time. He's fat as fuck now. Uh, no, so uh, I I got started late in the season. So we built raised beds. We have kind of a similar issue to you. We live on the side of a mountain. So you dig and you find rock. It's probably not as rocky as your soil, but it's still like I can't dig a huge boulders. Like underneath. I, I yeah. can't dig a plot. Right. Like I can't, you know, till a plot or something like that. Right. So, so I have to use raised beds or if we are doing planting, obviously you have to pick things that are uh, accustomed to, you know, rockier soils and stuff like that. So um, there's this one freaking chipmunk that would come in and just steal all my crap. Right. Like I had like um, strawberry plant. Uh, and, and to your point, this is like, it's also like a, um, it's like a scientific process. It's like trial and error. Right. So mm -hmm. like, you try something one year, it doesn't work, or you like it worked a little bit. You try something else to see if it's better or worse, you know. Um, and so, like my fucking strawberry plants, man, that little son of a bitch came in, took they all the little, the little berries. Uh, <laughs> one day she found, one day she found a doe in. With, no, it was the mama. Yeah, the doe it's was in this little tiny area, and I told him when he put the fence up, I'm like, the deer will get through there. <laughs> they get through anything around here. He's like, no, it's such a small I will, area. I will send you my Amazon uh, link for electric fences, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got I to gotta keep out 600-pound bear up here. And yeah. Like, no kidding, black bear and, you know, big deer now. And it's like, you need a serious fence. No mm. kidding. 
Oh my god! Yeah, the 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 I, tops of all the tomato plants. Oh my god! Like but it was, was funny because it's oh. such a small area. Like it's such a small. It's like literally in front of the earth. I mean, it's. I don't know how much feet of fence. Maybe ten feet of fence. <laughs> yeah, I, I will tell you what's going on with your tomato plants. Your tomato plants are getting maybe crushed by the deer, but they're also getting crushed uh, by this uh, green worm, and I cannot remember the name of it. But if you see that your tomato plants are being eaten from the top down, like this way mm. most likely you have a worm on them that is bright ass green and it will devour that plant and it'll be huge we we you know whenever we would find a plant in the morning that was being chewed down a, a moth lays her eggs on it and then it just feeds right and so we'd grab the gloves grab this guy and then take him over to the chickens and be like hey here you go guys right That's and you <laughs> it was really gratifying to watch the chickens peck this thing apart after eating tomato plant. Like hell yeah, get it. <laughs> well, that's that's where that's where our part personalities diverge because when she was like, there was a doe and she was like eating the tops of your tomatoes. I was like, yeah. whoa, let me get the AR. We're gonna fix this problem really quickly. She's like, no, you can't do that. It was in such a. I have to tell you though, it's such a small little place. The deer didn't know how to get out. It was just going. I'm like, get out, get out, and I'm trying to. <laughs> And it's just circling itself and it's getting nervous. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so the, there's yeah. a, there's another dude that I follow. Uh, he's actually another Jersey guy from South Jersey. And he, uh, his whole property turned into a food forest. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's big into uh, non-chemical like means for, for planting, like truly organic, uh, you know, like kind of back to nature type stuff. So um, a lot of his plants that he has issues with that, uh, he has like a video where there's like five different techniques that you can use and you can use one or all of them or whatever, depending mm -hmm. on what your issue is. So one thing he uses is kaolin clay where, so he has this like spraying clay. And so if you have plants that flower and then fruit afterward, um, what, as soon as they bud, that's when you spray the kaolin in because you want to be able to let, allow the pollinators in. But then once the pollinators come in, you want to cover that up because the moment that fruit starts to pop out, now all of a sudden the the negative insects come in to uh, eat up all of your crop, right? Hmm. So he sprays this clay on top and it doesn't allow them to be able to like attach themselves or whatever. Um, dude's name is James Prigioni. He's, he's huh. like, uh, yeah, an awesome dude, like fantastic channel. He's got like millions of people that follow him. Like he he does crazy stuff. Yeah, we don't talk about politics. No, what was that? When you don't talk about politics and you're just providing information to the world, you're fine. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're hugely successful. You be right. where's the damn book? Hold on. This is like see, this is the other thing that the liberty movement misses. Like we we love like the big stuff. Like we love talking about like the big kind of like emotional things. But like here, this guy. Have you ever read James C. Scott? No. What is that? This is the art of not being governed. This dude was uh, or is a PhD professor, and he spent his life studying uh, tribes in areas of the world that have been able to evade government control. Like it's oh. the most like I've I've I don't even remember how I came across him. I forget he was talking about him. I but wonder if he was uh, in that book. Um, she's uh, the immortality key where they had they'd done a lot of studying of tribes, like uh, maybe, I don't know, tribes from around the world for yeah. understanding like their, their ingestion of like psychedelics and things. I don't know. Maybe. Well, so he like, he'll, he's, he studied tribes in South America. A lot of what he studies is like, uh, a Asian, 
like mountain dwelling people, like think of like Nepal and stuff like that. And so like a couple of things he says is like, you should always plant sweet potatoes, not wheat, because sweet potatoes grow at different rates. You don't have to harvest them all the time. They can stay in the ground longer until you need them. Um, you can space them out. They don't have to all be in the same place. He said, wheat basically domesticated us. We didn't domesticate it. And the problem was that wheat all matures at the same time. So the tax man can show up and figure out how much wheat you have. If you plant sweet potatoes, you just have a couple over here, a couple over here, a couple over here. He never knows how many sweet potatoes you have. Like it's, he talks about some of the most amazing stuff oh. in this book. It's, it's absolutely incredible. He talks about how, uh, he talks about how you shouldn't live in low lying areas because in low lying areas, like when you live in like the Valley or the trough, right? It's really easy for the regulators and the tax men to get around, right? They don't need to go up elevation and deal with rocks. They can just stay on one level and get to you, right? What, well, what, yeah, well, what I'm saying is they go for the low hanging fruit, right? When you live up the mountainside, they don't want to climb that shit to figure out how many sweet potatoes you got in order to tax you, right? So you just live up on the mountainside. And then when they try and come up, you're just like, oh, I don't know. Or you play like some of these, you know, some of them play cat and mouse games. And like, you never know where the tribe is because they move around. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. He's got like three books. I've read this one. There's there's two or three others that I have yet to read. But it's half what was that? I think that thing's hefty looking. It is. It is. But you know what? This reads a lot easier than one of Scott Horton's books. I'll tell you how much. <laughs> which I have. Hold on. Which I have enough already here. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, man, those are some good ones, though. Those are really good. The the next one. What's the new one he has? The new uh, one he has is uh. Like it, I want to say it's like fire in the sky or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's new. It's a it's a nuclear bomb on the front end, and um, oh, it's a, it's about destroying nuclear weapons. I still need to read it, man. Like, yeah, anything no, he's, Scott pushes, man, it's just like, oh, yep, time to get a hold of another book. I you, you want to talk about someone who's like an amazing asset to the liberty movement? I mean, like just someone who is a oh, we a don't fountain yeah. of knowledge like that is like absolutely incredible like I, I can't even you can't even stress have you ever got to like hang out with scott behind scenes dude i, I have yeah no i've i've like i've smoked up with funny. Scott <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i was gonna say he's super funny like <laughs> you like he has got such great hysterical stories of like these encounters where you know he's he's going through his you know his work doing his anti-war stuff where he's in you know talking to other people and you know you're like this is like you wouldn't think it would be hysterical, but the way Scott tells these stories, you know, you're like completely away from cameras and everything, microphones, and you're like, Scott, where are these stories for the public, <laughs> man? Like people yeah. see this side of you. He's he's an absolute treasure, man, and and yeah, we we I don't think we deserve him, uh, but I think what he's done uh, for guys like me, you know, like vets, it's just like man, he's given us so much firepower to, mm. to you know take to you know guys that we know right like guys that we know that don't understand like what's going on in the world like that guy has given us so much to be like hey man just maybe read this like plan a oh, scene. Yeah. you want to see why i'm saying what i'm saying why don't you read some of this stuff and i'll tell you i've had guys come back to me multiple times go yeah thank you very much i was kind of wondering now what and and then yeah. you got your seed right yeah Man, i can't tell you how many people scott horton's done that to yeah no it's uh the the um i mean like you're you're essentially trying to diffuse fictions 
that people operate under, right? Um, yeah. I shared I shared the line. It's it's one of my favorite quotes because it uh, leads um, the movie The Big Short. It's a Mark Twain line that it's basically the it essentially says it's uh, not what you don't know. It's what you know for certain that just ain't true that gets you in the most trouble, right? Um, and so, so many people operate under these fictions, just yeah. they know it's true and it isn't, right? Like, and Scott Horton is that catalyst that can like push someone over the edge and be like, holy shit, like an actual question. You know? Yeah, like it's hard to argue with that guy. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get word in edgewise. So, I mean, like, you know. <laughs> is Scott Horton the one who does all that, like going? The, the war is Afghanistan, Iraq, and how it goes. Yes, yeah. So, Scott, like, here's this is the other you thing. You tried like, to get my dad to read that one. Uh, yes, and I, I told him to read the first 40 pages. I forget if he ever did, but um, I this, this is the other thing that people have to understand. It's, su it's such an amalgamation of shit, especially when you talk about the Middle East, right? Like, don't worry about other places. When you talk 1984. About them, well, <laughs> it's not just 1984. It's... Oh, it's, uh, it's all the way back to BP and, and Mossadegh and the first CIA coup called Operation Ajax, right? Like, yeah. when, when when people understand that, like, BP, you know, was in, you know, Iran and Persia, basically, back in the early 1900s, and they told those guys, hey, man, we'll give you a cut of this, you know, this oily black crap that comes naturally out of the ground around here. Yeah. And they're like, cool, man, you guys take it out of the ground, sell it, give us a cut for nothing? Great. Thank you very much. And, like, you know, fast forward about 50 something years and all of a sudden, like, they're like, nah, I think we're going to need our, uh, our own oil. You guys can fuck off. And yeah, man, that's when the CIA and BP and the crown went in and said, uh, I think we're going to get rid of this guy, uh, Mossadegh, and we are going to install the Shaw and Hey America, we'd like your help. Thank you very much. CIA. That was operation Ajax. And that was yep. the first coup that America ever pulled off that we know of anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and uh, he's he's able to take the nuances of these things that include like this is the other thing most people want whatever they're looking at to be extremely simple right they want good guy bad guy right like that's that's essentially what Russia and Ukraine is right now right Putin's the the bad guy and uh, Zelensky and, and Ukraine yeah, are good guys, right? brains and it, well yeah it makes it makes life simpler for them right like and so like they can just be able to fixate one or the other you know. Um, and when you deal with some of the shit that Scott's trying to explain, there's like 20 working parts, right? Like, and they not, all not to, not to mention, like, not you're, you're not talking about Bob, you know, Bob Smith over there. You're talking about <laughs> like, I can't keep up. I'm terrible with names and like, yeah. you know, names and places and provinces and different groups of people. And you're like, what? Yeah. And they're, and they're like, here's the other thing to understand is like, uh, that most people, I could, I, like, it doesn't even occur to them. They're all fucking cousins, right? So, like, sometimes they hate each other. And, and this isn't like an inbred kind of comment. Like, literally, they're, they're very closely related. I mean, it's no. almost like the civil war within the United States, right? Brothers fighting brothers and family members fighting family members. Well, and today to, they could be like each other. And then tomorrow they could hate each other. You have to be, you have to remember too, that the people in, so I have friends in Ukraine and I have friends in Russia or, or have families and stuff in both. And you have to remember too, those people are having the same problems we have as far as like understanding what the fuck is going well, on. Well, no, they're getting like, direct uh, propaganda. Yeah. I mean, it's like everywhere. Yeah. So like when you pit someone against, uh, you know, like my, my friend from Russia, she, you know, 
she very openly says like, I don't believe in this or whatever, you know, for whatever reason she has. And she doesn't believe that. I mean, you know, she lived in Russia when um, Putin was there and she was like, she hated him. She thought he was the most awful, crazy person ever. So yeah. she may be, I don't know. But <clears throat> like there's propaganda everywhere. And 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 the, citi the ci citizens, I don't know, wherever they are in Ukraine or in Russia are feeling as you know pushed around by all the propaganda as we are here oh yeah yeah no and and the, the west just wants to have their easy story right good guy bad guy that's all they want yeah. and and the media is more than willing to sell them that bullshit story right it's, it's, it's much harder to launder money when things get too complicated right oh yeah <laughs> did you see the number did you see the number one out of every three munitions that went over there has now been basically estimated to be a uh taken across the borders and sold on the black market. Did you see that? I'm, I'm not oh, shocked. One out of every $3 worth of munitions. That I, we I, I can there. tell you from seeing that kind of stuff firsthand. Like, I mean, we did a bunch of training of like ISF groups in, in Iraq with, uh, I think it was fifth group and 10th group. Uh, and when, you know, those guys are spending money and guys are getting guns and they're getting outfitted and, you know, you're you're basically doing force multiplication with the indigenous so that you've got the manpower to to do whatever you need to do locally, man. Like yep. that's that stuff gets squandered really, really fast. Oh, hell yeah. And, and it it walks away so easy, too. I mean, you're in the middle of a freaking war zone. Right. So when you don't have set up supply lines that you're taking accurate inventory, I mean, like it ain't their shit. Right. Like or, it's just people like it's it's U.S. just or or European forces just basically dropping it in front of them being like, OK, like, you know, go ahead and use it, you know. Um, and, and so they're not taking inventory. And so if they don't spend it, then it's gone. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that's it. It's not like, oh, hey, man, let's put some of this stuff away for like when we really need it for something, you know, <laughs> no, that's not happening. Like you're spending this now on something and, and it's uh well, it, it, uh, what's funny is it sounds exactly like how the federal government budgets, right? Like if you don't spend the money this year, we can't give you your, your budgetary consideration. It'll, it'll be less next, next year. year. But if anybody knows anything, it won't, right? Yeah. It can't. They're like, it, it'll be less next year. And they're like, you know, like wink, wink, because we're we, in a Keynesian economy. If you understand you got to spend more money faster or the whole thing goes to shit. And that's the problem with what's going on right now is they yep. can't spend money fast enough. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like and even if they don't find a way to spend money, they run around and just break a whole bunch of windows in order to say, all right, we got to clean this shit up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Who, who else is going to clean this up besides government? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the cooperation between people. What? What are you going to do? All right. So uh, let's talk about this. You haven't seen this yet. All right. No, we're, we're going to we're, we're getting know what it is. We're <laughs> getting rolling with we've been talking war and stuff like this. Here we this go. is an apropos lead in here. All right. So this is I want I want your initial thought. OK. Oh, you might you may you may not. OK, so this was a tweet out of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, the state affiliate. Uh, I believe Reed Coverdale has taken credit for at least the authoring of the tweet that was put out there. This is the tweet. It is a picture of Meghan McCain crying over the casket of John McCain. Of John McCain. Uh, and it says, happy holidays, because the day it was put out was four years to the day from the day that Senator John McCain passed away. All right. So now 
do you get the reference and how does that make you feel? I don't know if I get it. The happy holidays today? No, no, no. The, it was put out like three days ago. Oh. And it's basically on the four year anniversary of John McCain. Like saying they're happy that it's like a celebration of, kind of thing? Of, of the uh, brain tumor winning that, that battle. But that's what it's like, like a celebration? Yes. Like Why? Yeah. Fourth of July? Uh, kind of, yeah. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. For brain tumors. <laughs> Am I missing something? <laughs> so it unleashed a shitstorm. Okay. Well, it, was, just, it was the why, biggest, why it was probably the biggest thing the Libertarian Party has done that's made news since we've taken over the Libertarian Party. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, you also have to understand that, remember, I told you about well, the whole John internal McCain dynamic. Well, John was a big warmonger. Uh, hey, oh, is that oh, what this oh is? We're, 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 we're warm. Okay. <laughs> so uh, should warmongers be treated with respect? Right. So that's what they're, oh, so it's just, I don't, no, I'm legit I'm, asking you a question. Should, should warmongers be treated with respect? <laughs> no, but that's a picture of her daughter, of his daughter. Is she also a warmonger? Oh, that's a that's a very good question. Okay, so let's let's take the next step. So, who is Meghan McCain? I don't know. She's the daughter of Senator John McCain. We yeah, know that. that. I know that's the only thing. Okay, all right. So, uh, you know nothing about her policies or what she said or anything like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, what was your initial impression, Shane, when you saw this tweet come out? Were, were you, were I, you giddy? I, I were you wary? I, I, I didn't even think about it. And that's the thing is I responded to that uh, that tweet with the Rickard, Ricky Gervais gif. I, that's all I responded with. You know, like where he's roasting Hollywood and he can barely contain himself because like he's like, I don't care. Like, yeah. if, like if you don't like my comedy, oh, okay. I don't care. Right. And he's just he's he's laughing. He's shaking his <laughs> head like it, it's a show. It's comedy. Get the fuck over it. I don't care. Like that was my reaction. Like literally I knew like I use that gif all the time. It's perfect <laughs> for what this tweet is. If you really understand who Megan is and who her dad is, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, like, you know, like, you, like it is, everything's coming. It is going to be a shit storm. And guess what? It is great, great <laughs> yeah. ridicule humor. And it's exactly what these monsters deserve. Like, yeah. I, I have so many, so many deep opinions about this. Like, so it, I, I have to read off some of the responses uh, yeah. from, so, this this is something that people that don't understand social media don't understand. Okay. Yeah. They don't understand how you could put something out like this. Like what would compel someone to put something out like this? Okay. First of all, it is uh it is philosophically aligned with the people that were putting it out, believe it or not. Like, and and you might want to say that, like, well, why would anyone want to, you know, ridicule the the family member of someone who passed away? Okay. It is inherently within libertarians, within anarchists, and it should be within the broader liberty community to be anti-war. War is literally the very last option, right? And there are people that walk among us, and they don't just walk among us. They make decisions, and they wield power, and they use war as the first option, not the last. And, and they they essentially What's are rewarded with power and mm -hmm. money and influence as a result of that position. Had this been a random uh, 
person who passed away from the legislature or the military or something like that, and their their wife or daughter that had been quiet and not said anything about their position or whatever. Oh, I don't know. Yes, I would have I would have had an issue with this. Megan McCain <laughs> has basically parroted her father's warmongering rhetoric. Okay, bless Excuse you. Me. <laughs> And no, she is also uh, essentially uh, advocated for treating American citizens like terrorists and sending them to torture camps at Gitmo, right? Literally Which, on the view, said out loud, right? This was yes. the quote: "Like these these people that came in on January sixth should be treated no different from any other terrorist. They should be sent to Gitmo." Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. I've never heard. I don't even. I, I'm not a. I was never a John McCain fan at all. Well, but uh, so if I just look at if I just look at the tweet, I mean, I right, hear this goes back to you and you're learning all the meditation and stuff. Yeah. And the guy, the piece of meditation is that everyone innately, I mean, even warmongers, it has good inside them. Uh, right. Like, they, they might have done something nice. Okay. They have the capacity. Right. Which makes, it even, which makes it even worse. Like they yeah. have the capacity for good and they did all that shit. So. And and so, yes, I would agree with you from the standpoint of there's something within them that could be good, right? Where mm -hmm. they're not all bad. But here's the problem in our society. And it's it's depicted within the responses, right? There are people admonishing this tweet, basically saying that it's horrible and disgusting and that it's in bad taste and that... Uh, just because uh, she's grieving Lydia, like Lydia over at Tim Pool is like, I'll absolutely never be okay with this and we'll add this to my list of reasons why I'm not a libertarian, right? To which I responded, that was very stunning and brave of you. Um, <laughs> I, and then you have a number of people. What's funny is the people from New Hampshire are fucking based, dude. They went to the mat on this and yeah. they kind of flipped the narrative. But you even have uh, like Sticks and Hammer coming out and being proponent of it. And now this is what's I need to find this. I don't know if I, I found this in here. What's the rest is the pictures of uh, uh, McCain with the <laughs> horns on it. Uh, hold on. There was one. Who is the who is the um, big time like left wing anti-war uh, account that that came out in favor of this? Damn it. Why can't I find this? She oh, is know. like she is one of the most vocal anti-war um, left influencers that's out there. And she essentially wrote like a six tweet chain about why warmongers should essentially, you know, you should dance on their graves. Yeah. And, and it's because people have absolutely no clue. I can't find it. It's because people have absolutely no clue what war is like when you live this champagne socialist lifestyle completely away from these things. You literally think that it's worse to put a tweet out like that, then for the subject of it or the person is the subject of it to have been instrumental in literally the killing of millions of millions. innocent people. Well, I mean, you know how I, I like if, if they put that out with, you know, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates over his coffin, I'd be like, woohoo. <laughs> 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 no, you, you heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I just, uh, I'm no. not that involved with that. I hope I the LP is taking, taking notes on their, their next, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I don't I don't agree with intellectual property rights, but uh, I called dibs on that tweet when that happens. You better get at it soon. Okay. Um, but you're right, Matt. Like that's the thing is people have zero clue what what war is, and that's 
that's uh, I need to unload a little because this is I've been waiting, man. This response, and I'll tell you the the response from some, especially inside the LP, right? That are like I, I'm going to call out Justin Amash. Like I I don't have ill will. I don't wish him unwell. You know, that's the thing is I have a fundamental disagree with with him and a lot of the people who kind of fall on that side of the libertarian party with this mm. you are literally coming in and, and justin amash tweeted this is disgusting right like you know this this is uh, horrible and disgusting and when you relate a tweet in the same tweet to war as being horrible and disgusting war is horrible and disgusting and this tweet is horrible and disgusting. What you've just done is you've equalized a tweet and war. Like, yeah. no kidding, dead kids, you know, that are being ripped apart by dogs because the dogs no longer have kids. And that's like, it is a hard thing to hear, right? Like, I saw this kind of shit. And when I think about, you know, a, a tweet like this, which I think is absolutely outstanding. Right. Like you want to talk about ridicule. Ridicule is the free market's way. If we're going to talk about decentralization, mm. we're going to talk about being libertarians, volunteerism, anarcho, aggregate. I don't give a shit. One of the best things that communities can do to avoid the, the pitfalls of violence and coercion and war is ridicule. Yeah. Absolutely. It is in the communist manifesto. It is, you know, it is one of those tactics that the United States uses on other, you know, other nations to defi define those fault lines and then lean into them so that they can divide people. This is what we should be doing, like ridiculing these these monsters. And Meghan McCain, I don't give a shit what people say. If she had power, she might be worse than her dad. If she's already talking about, you know, the, the wars and pushing, you know, young souls over into places like Ukraine to fight Russia or back in Syria or Afghanistan or any of this other bullshit. And then she's calling people in this country that are, you know, have probably the most guns per capita, you know, of any people on earth that didn't bring them to the Capitol. And even if they did bring them to the Capitol and they killed everybody, like, it still wouldn't have been a coup. And the FBI has come out and said, hey, this isn't even an insurrection. So for her to continue that fucking narrative, like we're going to call these people terrorists and they should go to Gitmo. Oh, God damn. Like the fact that I've got people like Justin Amash or anybody else defending a tweet in equalizing it to war. Man, you guys need to take a step back because that whole side, like this whole you know, side of the, the pragmatists that lost in a clean sweep by the Mises caucus right? Your messaging fails. You haven't grown the party. You're not making national news. You're not doing anything in terms of earned media. You've got some of the biggest followings out there that are creating podcasts that are doing exactly this. They're using comedy. They're using ridicule. They are making headlines and they are exploding even against being censored by places like Twitter and YouTube and the rest of it. And you just can't kill these guys. Like they just keep coming back and they, they have just, I don't know, some of the best messaging is because they've suffered. They have come up with struggle. They have seen how bad, you know, places can be. And with with all that being said, it's just, I know I'm on a rant, man. It's just one of those things where this is the tone deafness of the, the pragmatists. Oh, let's get along. Let's be buddy, buddy. And let's, let's earn their respect. Now, you are at 
war, people. Mm. You are at war with people who are already trying to other you after you've stayed peaceful for two years while being locked down, having your businesses invaded, called non-essential, talking about like record inflation. And you're going to sit there and be like, we need to show some decorum here. We're what's, gonna- interesting, <laughs> what's interesting oh is like, I wasn't that shocked by it. You said I'm the person they're going after. It's a very, I mean, she's I, a famous person who was photographed at her coffin. Like, like just thinking about what you just said, if somebody hacked an account of someone who stood up for that and changed it to a picture of war of what happens in war and said, happy holidays, that shit would go down. Like, yeah, it's very, very, what's the word? It's very tame. I mean, it's very tame. If they sure. were to show this, this is like an actual, this is someone who comes from like, you used to identify as a Democrat, right? I mean, like, no. you're, well, no, I mean, like, <laughs> you, you were, you were oh, an artist, like, someone I mean, who was on the I left, was an right? artist. Yeah, I did, I did work like for, liberal I, I hippie went type, out and right? did a Clinton thing. At yeah, one like point, liberal yeah. hippie type, right? Yeah. This is someone like <laughs> that came from the liberal hippie left, okay? Um, which, by the way, it was this, all run by my uterus. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> which, <laughs> my uterus was speaking. <laughs> which, which, by the way, the liberals, actual liberals, used to be anti war. And they're not anymore. They're some of the most vocal warmongers, which is why they allow Meghan McCain on The View to put forward some of these viewpoints, right? But so who I was trying to think about and I actually found uh, this post was Caitlin Johnstone, okay? And Caitlin Johnstone responded, or actually I think quote tweeted this. She responded and then quote tweeted like an entire thread. But she said, the reason it's good and important to celebrate the deaths of war sluts who facilitated mass military slaughter is because it helps bring clarity and proportionality to the horrors of war. You're making it clear that John McCain's victims matter more than his daughter's feelings, which is a hundred percent correct, right? You like you can never come close to the amount of horror and pain and anguish and loss that someone who is a proponent of war causes, right? Regardless of whether or not their name is Hitler or McCain or Mao or like all of those people, there is absolutely no way that they could even come close to having their daughter and their daughter's daughter and their daughter's 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 pain be close to the anguish that they caused. It's interesting because um so I my dad was a Marine and he was in Vietnam and he was blown up there and then he came back and and I grew up the daughter of somebody with PTSD from war from being blown up and and it's so interesting to think and I'm not even talking about like war of what what we do to other cultures just yeah. It affects generations of people. Like it's not just the person who comes back who has PTSD. It's it's how they are father, how they're there, how they're able to, and then how that passes from one person to the next. And it's so deep, and we don't we don't even realize or recognize like what. And I, you know, after my dad died, I didn't even know the extent to which he had experienced when they were blown up. He was the only one that survived. Everyone was hanging from the trees, bleeding down over him. You'll, like, you'll, you'll appreciate the story, Shane. So but they got a Western Union. You're talking so, about the Western yeah, Union. So <laughs> we're, we're, going through the, we're going through the old paperwork. And I'm sorry to dis- derail. We can definitely get back oh, to good. this because there's more than enough ire uh, between at least the two of us to go towards this story. But so uh, we're going through the old paperwork. 
and we found the Western Union telegram that was sent to his mother. It must have been opened a thousand times and closed. Okay. And um, the telegram was only a couple of lines. And it basically said, uh, you know, this is to notify you that your son was injured in combat. Don't worry. He's doing much better. All is fine. <laughs> and that was it. Right? Everyone died except for That him. was it. She's half a world away. And this is the telegram that she gets about her son. And so it's meant to make you think like, oh, like no he twisted his ankle or he got a splinter or something like that. Meanwhile, you come to find out that like most of the people in his unit died and he's the one who lived and yeah. he had to be laid up for weeks. And then he was weeks, brought back like, into know, the service to finish his it, stuff. It's, it's, it's like when, when I saw that, there was a moment of like clarity where I was like, this is all fucking bullshit, yeah, right? It's like it's, yeah. it's asset <laughs> liability. You just went from being an asset to a liability and you know how the government is with liabilities, man. Yes. Later. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but he was the same. Like he would, like I did a video of him a few years ago and I'm so glad I got that. But if him taught, I asked him about Vietnam and, and his ideas of war. And like, so he said he was, he would go back and, and he was afraid he would have been drafted. So he went, he didn't want to be an army. He wanted to be Marines. And so he went in at like, I think 16 or 17. And, um, and so he said he would do it again, but he does not believe in war. Well, I don't remember his exact words. No, no, he hates war. No, no. He, he. He felt like he was going to get drafted anyway. Yeah, he didn't feel so he, had he a decided choice. he wanted to do it on his own terms, right? Yeah. But that being said, I think he carried with him a lot of stories back from Vietnam that made him truly understand the nature of war, Very, right? Yeah, um, he did not believe in it. And, uh, you know, w w in, in the vein of kind of this conversation and bringing it back around to what we were originally talking about, one of, I forget if it was the Libertarian Party of Kentucky, um, who also has an absolutely fantastic social media press presence in terms of some of this thought-provoking stuff. They essentially reshared the picture and they said, the sinister nature of this picture is that it's to legitimize the next war, to develop uh, empathy yeah, for the for next that. war, right? Yes. That's why you picture someone who's famous crying over the, the, the casket of another person who was famous. And both of them are advocated for advocating for military conflict in, in all cases, right? Yeah. Like it's a, it's like a cure-all. Right. Um, and that's, that's just fucking evil. It's fucking evil. If you think about it from that. Well, state. yeah, man, I, I don't think I, 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 I want to say like, you know, I'm sure she was overcome with grief. I'm sure it was a gigantic moment where a father, I, I really think she revered, was dead in the, the presence of people she looked up to were all there, right? Democrat and Republican, you know, the entire state was going, man, thanks, John McCain. Thanks for everything that you fucking did for us. You know, this yeah. damn murder cult, right? And you're just like, uh, dude. But in, in, in another part of my brain, I'm sitting there going like, I, it, she knows this is a photo op. She knows that this is, she needs to sell this moment. And I, mm. I guarantee somewhere somebody said something where this isn't a pure moment. Like there is, I bet there's something contrived behind some of this. Right. And I, you know, I don't know. Do we see pictures of her at any other point with her dad where she's, you know, bawling like that? Maybe not. I don't know. But in terms of the reaction, the only other one is her, uh, 
holding the kid by the gravestone with her book out in front of it. Like that's the yeah. only other one that got circulated. Well, here's here's the other piece of that, right? Is like, yeah, I mean that that was like, yeah, I'm gonna sell my book and I'm gonna use this opportunity for my dad, you know, like to to really go for exactly. it, right? Like, hey, dad, thanks for helping me sell my book. Um, but the feigned outrage that came with what I think is probably a feigned photograph from people that have been calling the likes of the Mises caucus, a bunch of neo-Nazis and Hitler yeah. sympathizers and alt-right and KKK and white supremacists and terrorists and fascists and all this bullshit, right? Like this has been going on for a long time within the libertarian party as the Mises party has come around, you know, since about 2018 when, you know, we started getting a lot more serious. Right. And so for these people to call us, all these names over and over and over again, as if the people who are calling for peace around the world are those people, the people that are saying we have to have consent, not like even minarchy so much. Like we're kind of like the, the anarchists and the volunteerists and you no, know, like we, we want peace and we want every transaction to be consentful. And you guys are the ones that have called us this for this long. And now, now you are going to come out and say that we are awful and, and terrible and disgusting yeah. when we are going after the people that we said you guys were holy. Like, I, I don't know how this doesn't, you know, I, I don't see how they don't see this as a reflection. Like, Oh wow. You guys are the ones that are full of shit. You guys are the ones that are, sitting here going oh we got to play nice with a warmongering terrorist and like you're like why are we doing this why are you guys you know like do you not understand the game you're in and i think some of them don't i, I don't think a lot of them do understand the the game they're in they don't understand we're at war and then there are those that just want power which i think is also one of those things in you know the progressive side and some of these people that are looking at like, how's this going to bring people you know, into the Libertarian Party and how are you guys going to grow this way? And, you know, like, what are you guys going to do with power, right? Yeah. You guys are never going to win power. Like, we don't want power. We want decentralization. We want nullification. Like, that's yeah. our goal. Do not understand this. And they don't because they think it's about power. They want to grow the party so that national can be more powerful and then they can do something at the national level. And, like, that's not what we're about, man. Like, no. that's not what I'm about anyway. It's like, guys, we're on a totally different track as you, know, you guys call your liber self-libertarians. Well, I got news for you. The way it's going and the branding and the messaging of this force that's come in that is growing the party, we're not going that way. We're going completely opposite of national. Well, they think if they're good little boys and girls, they get a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you don't get a seat at the table. You get a, a pat on the head. You'll and be the first one to eat. And then you get shown the exit like you have been for the last 50 some odd years. Right? Like that's exactly yeah. what happens, right? Like uh, it's almost like none of these people people have read Saul Alinsky, right? Like you you don't you don't try and win the game. You flip the fucking table. Like that's yeah. what you do, you right? No, like it, you're it's it's rigged against you. How do you ever think that you're going to be able to, you know, out politic a Republican or a Democrat. You're not going you to have the money. To. What you yeah. need to do is you need to get a modern day 
1984 written. You need people to read it in fiction. <laughs> You're well, living fucking books. Hold, I can't but, read them. <laughs> but hold on. But I read 1984 in like a you, day and a half. You raise I mean, it. You, you know? raise a fantastic point okay. because you have people like Eric D. July out there that are now beginning to create culture. They're being beginning to create pop culture that is more liberty based. It's more freedom based. It's more in like many cases like like anarchists, right. right? So like. You, you have some of the Tuttle Twin stuff coming out. You have the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum. I think uh, Tom Woods also came out with a curriculum or, or co-wrote some I of think it. That's with, right? Yeah. Um, so you're, you're getting some of those cultural changes. The difference is at the same time that you're creating that replacement culture, you have to Michael Malice the old edifices of the past. You have to you have to explode the foundations but and let back. them crumble under their own. Go weight. back to that tweet. It's so tame. It's so fucking tame. Because <laughs> I, it, right. you're right, Shane. I'm gonna clip that video and I'm tagging. <laughs> well, Reed Reed's not on Twitter anymore, but I will get someone to send that to Reed Coverdale and be She'll like be my so former lefty hippie artist wife. No, but if you think about <laughs> thinks the tweet is tame. <laughs> because the photo is really tame. And it, it doesn't it, she's not hanging out of her dress. She's not fucking showing anything. I mean, it's not like that area. I, I don't want to see she's any not, of that. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's like an authentic moment of what it, maybe it's not authentic, whatever it is. No, you know? it's, it's definitely just there. Uh, to to shape to your point, Jane, it, it it just waxes of 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 being staged and probably and is. pomp and circumstance and and acting like i i fully believe that the vast majority of these people that you see in the public and limelight they're just all actors i just like, want to tell you what they are i'm a ma i never got to home birth i had to have all c-sections oh, it Jesus wasn't my Christ. choice why are we going this because direction? i wanted to watch a fucking like a breach birth at a home birth and fucking i had to go through and get all these like things to watch it because it was a woman's vagina Hold on, you wait, but wait. yet you're saying it's censored. It's censored to watch a natural birth, right? Okay, right. like a breach fucking birth, a home birth. Okay, it's beautiful. So like I want to witness that. That's beautiful. So you're saying as long as the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire doesn't create a joke <laughs> tweet about home birth, you're okay. That's all right. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but I think in the end. There's so much worse they could have done, and they didn't do it. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm, I'm sending yeah. a note. Dude, Jeremy Kaufman, if you're watching this, my wife just gave you a blank check. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, somebody, some crazy person out there should take it and twist it on its head and show... You're talking about 1984. No, I'm talking about the tweet. Oh, Twist that shit on its head and send it back. From what's like from what standpoint well, like, are you talking about? In my head, I'm thinking like when you, you know, that's like it's just her over the coffin, like showing the horrors of war. Yeah. With you know, a happy oh, no, no, no. Hold on, on wait, the wait. day of like the beginning. Dude, of, the, no, hold on. The the internet is undefeated. I need to find this. All right. So <laughs> so while I'm researching this, um, what else did you want to share on this tweet, Shane? Because I have, I have to. Now I'm on a mission. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, I, I think I've got most of it worked out of my system. I, you know, and the thing is, is listen, you know, we're still not calling for these people to, you know, I don't know, die or you know, leave. Like the door is, hey guys, just 
maybe consider some things, right? Like mm. the the idea that you care about other people's feelings and all that other kind of stuff and that we shouldn't be ruffling feathers. Like, listen, there are a lot of the dudes that came from like my background that you really, really, really should consider because you really, really, really pissed them off, right? Like there mm. are a lot of guys with combat backgrounds that saw that and they were like, yeah, man, like we watched our own guys die, right? We we saw for, you know, up close and personal that war isn't like, you know, what they tell you, good and bad, right? Like there's a lot of innocents that get caught in the middle of that kind of stuff. Their homes get destroyed, their pets get destroyed, like all that kind of stuff. And they piss those people off in yeah. a way like, you know, they talk about, you know, considering people's feelings and being, dude, let me tell you something, no consideration at all was given for any of those guys and a lot of them have brought a lot of people to liberty and those are the the, the fucks that were the guys that kind of prevented a lot of us from coming in the first place it, it, it is it is so I, I i don't i wouldn't even say disingenuous it is so um uh not being able to read the room when you are calling for decorum in criticizing someone who is essentially an advocate for genocide, yeah. both in terms of people in other countries, as well as our own people. If you want to be a nationalist about it, like our own soldiers and our own sons and daughters and stuff like that. Um, it, it is a complete lack of street smarts or just being able to read the room to say that, no, 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 we have to uh, be critical of these people, but do it in this like, you know, highbrow nice high society kind of way <laughs> when there was no consideration of that well they weren't when, killing people in a highbrow you know way i'll tell you that I, I mean like now that being said they were probably in a fucking steakhouse drinking a 200 dollars bottle of wine when they decided to do this shit if you want to call that highbrow and fucking i guess mccain like wiped his mouth really well with the white tablecloth that the, the server brought to him right Thank like you. that's about the amount of consideration of being you know courteous that really happened when it came to these things right um which by the way you were saying turn it on on its head hold on so this is you'll appreciate this one shane this was um the account is self-defense guillotine it says warmongers and then it has all of the pictures of war that they caused deserve to be mocked. Well, you it is get better than that absolutely fa you i think you get way more I, I think i saw somebody um you know Photoshop behind Megan at one point, and, and yeah. it said something. Oh, Biden like, sniffing her. It, yeah, it was like it was like fuck warmongers, and it had somebody <laughs> behind Megan, and I was like, that's the energy we need right yeah. now. Like, I it is <laughs> like, is she a person? Uh, yes, but she's probably more of a lizard person oh my God, than I an actual you person. She's on death and destruction, man. And, and and she deserve she deserves the rights and freedoms of an individual, which come with the repercussions of whether or not she wants to back up her family legacy and her father. If she was vocal and coming out and saying that he was extreme or overstepped, or there were certain things that she wouldn't have sided with, or things like that, then maybe so, that's redeemed. But does right? a, but does a how you're brought like are you given the I don't know what it's like to grow up as John McCain's daughter. I mean, are you, do you even have a sense of what really goes on? I don't even know. Here's the thing is, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. She needs to be, she needs to be ridiculed. So maybe she has a little bit of self-reflection, right? Like her yeah, dad didn't teach it to her. Matter. Mom didn't teach it to her. 
her, the people in her societal groups did not teach it to her. And so now it's left to the public domain out there. And luckily we, we still can kind of speak freely. Right? So, Hey, we're going to, we're going to give you something to think about Megan. And it's not that you're not, you're, you know, not, not redeemable, right? If she came out and she's like, Hey, we got to abolish all this ridiculous spending. We've got to bring everybody home from the 120 plus countries that we're in and really look at, you know, what's going on here. And I'm sorry, right? Like I'm like an apology goes a long way in terms of changing people's minds. Lizard people don't know how to say I'm sorry. I'm I mean, like, I don't know. Did, it's not I in mean, their vocabulary. Does the government have a say on what she does either? I mean, I don't, no, I no, don't no. know. No, it's, it's not a matter of whether or not the government has to say. I mean, she's an influential figure. Her father was most definitely an influential figure. He's the yeah. one who's basically yeah. not just voting, but also whipping and, and advocating for certain bills and certain conflicts to be, to, you know, be supported or, or, I mean, he could have squashed them. Okay. Here's the other thing that that I think the blue-pilled side of the liberty, liberty movement doesn't understand. You're probably never going to convert Meghan McCain, okay? Who you are going to convert is the people that are watching this back and forth happen, and they see her get nailed to the wall by people that are willing to call her and her, more importantly, her father out for what they did. Mm-hmm. That's the people you're speaking to. You're well, speaking to the onlookers. You're not necessarily trying to convert Meghan McCain or people that are close to her. They're zealots. They'll go down with the ship. They don't give a shit, right? Like they, there's too much money at stake for them. They're not going to find religion, right? The people mm-hmm. that will be able to actually connect with that message are the onlookers that have been quiet because they've been afraid to say what was said in that tweet because they know it. They, but you have to Ron Paul that shit. You have to be willing to talk to the remnant that are quiet in the back corner, minding their own business, just waiting for someone to say the quiet part out loud. And LPNH said the quiet part out loud. Well, you love the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. <laughs> dude, if we were not stuck What's in the Soviet social state, man. Minus the snow. I mean, yeah. outside of the snow, I'm Oh, the snow is great. <laughs> You get some snow in North Georgia, no? Oh, up in the, no, up no, in the global elevation. warming. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, it's funny. We moved up here a couple of years ago uh, into the mountains, and we had like one freak snow right before my 40th birthday a couple of years ago during COVID. And um, the yeah, I mean, that, that was it. Like since then, no snow, man. And it's you know it's been a little bit disappointing for the kids. They're like, dude, I thought we were moving in the mountains and we're gonna have a little more snow. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you guys. I got some more work for you. (laughs) It's uh, it's it's going to be snowing some dirt when you're. (laughs) Maybe if you you work really hard, the snow gods will come and and, and give you guys what you need. Right? I don't know. Um, let me let me ask you about. Did you did you want to say anything else on that? No, no. I just think I think the whole John McCain thing was why I was like trying to canvas for clinton <laughs> oh that's entirely I was possible. so anti-war at the time I, I what's what's also great is the responses to the mccain thing uh included a lot of people that pointed out that the republican party chose john mccain and mitt romney over ron paul okay oh, i love so ron they paul. they chose two people that would essentially sell their soul for 30 pieces of silver as a, as opposed to Ron Paul 
um, someone who is principled and actually well, said the quiet part out loud and, and brought truth to people. Before it was cool. Yeah. Here's something funny. I have a little bumper sticker on my car. It's the re revolution, but the love, that's the Ron Paul thing, right? It is. But I had no clue it was Ron Paul. Yeah. I just bought it. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, <laughs> this is also what's interesting about his, his message and his branding it. was it went so far that it reached people that didn't even know that he was talking about politics. I mean, I always knew Ron Paul. I just didn't know that was his thing. Right. Well, no, that, that revolution thing, it spoke to, it spoke to freaking hippies, like yeah. hippies that grew up in a lifetime of like, you know, let's just all get along and not hurt each other and not steal from each other and just have a freaking party and hang out. And like the people that wanted to live in hippie communes, but not like force people to do things, just kind of like let them come and go and stuff, pure volunteerism. Like it spoke to those people. And the problem is that it all got buried under this mountain of like, you know, these these blue pilled types that wanted to like engage in political brinksmanship and stuff. Yeah. You don't need political brinksmanship. You don't even need to get elected to, to affect change. Right. Mm -hmm. um, who was it? Uh, Malice posted. I wonder if you heard the story, Shane. Malice posted this tweet um, asking who. Um, who the most uh, or who the most free person was. I think that's the way he that's the way he worded it. Like, who's the most free person? Who, who's like the best advocate for freedom? So I posted the story of the dude from Texas that didn't pay his taxes. And so the IRS and the FBI laid siege to his homestead for 15 years and finally gave up because it was too costly to maintain laying siege to this guy's property and he had like four generations of his family well, that's how he did it they would talking about going back to your community they would walk century <laughs> they grew their own food like they always had someone on watch and it was like it's the most amazing story of someone who essentially stared down the government and he was like fuck you i'm gonna live my life you're not gonna tell me how to live and you know what if i gotta live here and that's all my world is I'm going to make the best of it. And you guys can sit out there and rot and collect your freaking paychecks, but I'm not going to pay for whatever the hell you do. And they it. got up and walked away. What an amazing <laughs> fucking story. Amazing. Like that's, we should all strive to be that guy. That's <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to grab what, what, tell me his name again. Oh, uh, hold on. I got to, now I got to dig again. Hold on. I, I'm going to find his name and then I'm going to, I'm going to hang it out on the sign, you know, out at the, the edge of the property and be like, Hey, listen, if you think you're coming in here, you may want to run. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Uh, oh, damn it. Oh, it's getting... Yeah. It's going to take me a while to find it. All right. You're all on Waco. Yeah. yeah well... <laughs> oh shit. We can talk about fucking Waco for hours, man. Um, the, uh, what was the other question that I wanted to ask as far as, um, I oh, know I'm going to ask it. Can I ask questions go ahead, go on ahead. my own interest of who you are? <laughs> so you homeschool, right? We do. And how, how old are your kids? Uh, they are 11, nine and eight. They oh my all, God. You're in it with eight. us. Yeah. It's, okay. it, it's, it's so, I mean, yeah, we, we have, I guess we've been doing this since Jackson was three and a half, four years old. So a long yeah. time now. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to, to be here and to have them and to do, you know, you know, life a little differently, you know, like I find us doing a lot of like what are like my grandparents did. Yeah. And, you know, to spend time with them, like there were 10 houses down from me growing up and they had, they always had a garden. 
Um, they always had a seller. They, you know, knew craftsmanship and how to make clothes and, you know, do all the stuff you ever needed to do around the house. Plus, you know, design and build and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was really, you know, one of those things where, you know, to, to say like this, you've got this homage to your grandparents that they, they kind of had you around. They didn't really teach it to you because they thought, Hey, maybe we're past these times, which is kind of weird, but you remember doing a lot of the stuff with them. And they, I, I don't now that we get to do it with our kids and kind of set it, uh, I don't know, hopefully a, a family tradition, uh, is, is kind and of I love, I think you said, you, you said that, did you say your wife's parents live with you? They do. Generations in the house is like, that's what I missed the most since my parents died. Cause we lived with my parents and they died yeah. in September. We're just coming up on a year now, but, um, that's what I miss the most having like that generation, like the extra generations. Like so many kids don't get that anymore. Like, it's just such a beautiful thing. And like, and I think kids that grow up in the house with like grandparents, like it's like a second set of parents, but cooler. <laughs> I agree. You know? with I'm definitely the asshole. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of falls on the parents. <laughs> so um, do you, are you, I don't know how you believe as far as like vaccinations and stuff. Do you, are you like, have you put your kids Fuck that vaccine. schedule? Yeah, <laughs> in, in the beginning, this was a, you know, this big point of contention you know uh you know maybe one of the things if if you're new to your relationship you don't have kids yet you want to have kids this is one of those conversations that you should probably have prior to kids um because there's a lot of contention and that kind of stuff i was the guy that was like hey listen i think we're going to be okay we we understand nutrition um we definitely don't need to get them everything that they're talking about and oh by the way i've read up on this kind of stuff right and so um, she was like, I think we need to do it. There are delayed schedules and things like that. And there are things that we can not get. And I was like, okay, cool. And so, and she's like, and I've read up on that. And so I was like, <laughs> right. Like, but you've got, you know, two caring parents that are, you know, both very aware of what we're going to do and what we're going to put in our, the kids' bodies and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, some of the, some of the older stuff that wasn't, you know, a, a billion things in one day, by the time they were like, I don't know, you know, two days old, you're just yeah. like, we're not doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, we, we ended up doing the, the, uh, the delayed schedule and a lot of the things that they, they, they just didn't get. And so, you know, because they're homeschooled, they don't have to have them. And Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like for us, and they're great. They're, they've, they've been, you know, very normal kids. You know, yeah. they, they are super, uh, I don't know, super smart and love playing and getting, you know, outside. They do jujitsu. And so, you know, it's like, you know, they, if there's anybody who's going to catch something, right, it's kids who do jujitsu. They're breathing <laughs> on each other. They're sweating on each other, like just yeah. close to each other, if not closer. And you, like in the beginning, you're you're probably going to start building your immune system because you're licking doorknobs basically. And so yeah, it's it's you know, it, it you get you're going to get sick, but they also don't get as sick as often anymore. And they were the first people back, you know, in COVID, right? Like. COVID Kids were, lasted absolutely. about two months. And then like, man, we're going back to jujitsu and y'all <laughs> stay out there. We're rolling. Um, so man, yeah, it, it, it's been, you know, 
pretty easy for us to see, you know, just take care of your nutrition and health and exercise and you'll be all yeah, right. We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about it at all. We were just lucky enough to, I was like, I, I've never been vaccinated for a single thing. And, um, and I never even thought of the fact that someone would put a needle in my child because I never had that. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I'm like, I'm just going to give you a book. I said to Matt, <laughs> And then thank God you were like, whatever, because I don't know what I would have done. No, I was, I, I was always done. skeptical, but you gave me uh Dr. Dr. Sears, Dr. Sears. Um, that was the name of the book. Um, it's a vaccination, something it's called like the vaccine, cho the vaccine, vaccine choice book. or the vaccine book. It's yeah. called, Right. Um, and he kind of walks through. So like I'm, I'm, when I went through college, I, I went through, uh, as a biomedical engineer. Um, and so like, I'm, I'm a math nerd, like I'm a statistics nerd. Right. And, uh, what's crazy is the number of people that are presented with some kind of statistic, um, and they clutch the pearls and <gasps> they're out of breath and, oh my God, like it's the most dangerous <laughs> thing ever. And, and then, but you can't really deal with a statistic in isolation. You have to put it relative to everything else that's out there. Right. right. Um, and once you begin to do that, you then begin to understand the continuum of, of risk, right? Like I've also worked professionally as a risk manager. Everything has risk, like just, you know, walking down the steps in the morning has risk associated with it. Right. right. Um, and so you always have to ask yourself, you know, what's the reward? What's the risk level relative to other things? What if I don't? What's the opportunity cost? That kind of thing. Right. And so when you go through that analytical process, I've actually find it really hard um, not just to justify the narratives that have been put out there oh, the about a, a lot of medical technology, not just vaccination, but a lot of right. medical technology. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just, it's, it, it just doesn't logically make sense in a lot of cases, What's, especially after 1986. And, and when you like, especially when they let go of, well, all... when they, when they abdicated all fine, yeah. uh, uh, liability, um, once they did that. And then on top of that, when you, when you combine it with the, Side basically the fascist regime that we live under today, Right you begin to understand that a lot of these things are made from these, these positions or, or these arguments are made from political positions. They're not made from positions of logic, which politics is the antithesis of logic. It has to do with, you know, how you can sell it or spin it. It has nothing to do with whether or not it's right or, or, or correct or, or, or even good, right? Like it has nothing to do with moral good. And so, um, yeah, when you look at it from that perspective, you begin to understand that a lot of these things are pushed. I mean, like for the longest time, it's it's not a popular standpoint, but I, I've always been of the mindset that any vaccination, like not just COVID, like MMR and all these other things, any of those vaccines, Happy. <laughs> they should just be used in high risk population. That's it. Right. But it's not politically OK to say that because it's beginning because then the next question is, OK, what's Whoa. high risk? Well, it's people that don't have access to good health care. It's the poor. Yeah. It's the people that are malnourished. It's the people. And so immediately, that's oh. racist. That's yeah, we are know, opening such a can of worms. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> and so like you can't logically have a conversation in a world that is also because it's fascist. It's also anti First Amendment because you can't have that conversation because immediately it gets shot down because there's financial and you know, political interests that are attached to it. Dude, so. you just you just took that that Bitcoin can, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you read the fiat standard yet? Uh no, I have not. No. Every, like 
what you're talking about, like we, we all kind of know these things, right? We all kind of like, Hey, if the state's pushing it, universities are pushing it. This is being pushed on, you know, the propaganda machines. If all these centers are aligned, you can damn near make sure that it's probably not great for you. Right. Like, and this, the mastermind, uh, Safal Dean Amos, who wrote the Bitcoin standard, wrote this just beautiful follow-up book called the Fiat standard. Just probably a couple weeks ago, uh, got done with it. And it, one of the things it talks about in terms of the Fiat standard is really kind of what it does to economy, culture, uh, you know, combined. And one of the first things where it goes down this trail is um how we kind of came up with a lot of the the junk food that we have right and mm-hmm. and it talks about agriculture um you know historically what had happened versus the incentive from the government to mass produce food the way they want it done oh, corn and sugar lobby man oh, oh man corn, exactly right and so and, and another one is the seventh day adventist um i forgot who the the, the guy's name was but he um he was he didn't he wanted to crash people's libidos he didn't want them mating he wanted them to be fat and happy and so this other dude who was also a seventh day adventist who worked at kellogg's um they found that if you were malnourishing young pigs with skim milk and corn based type of meal what what they would do is they'd fatten up fast right because what would happen is there are tons of calories in it but they're not there's no nutrition in it right so what they found was you can malnourish somebody into obesity and when you can mount like when you look around america and people are are obese Mm. it's not so much that they have a a a, a diet problem but they are they have a malnutrition problem and, yeah. you- and like the the whole meat thing that was that was he, the seventh day of menace guy he was you know this guy that got involved in dc with the fda and all that kind of stuff and was pushing for meatless diets for people to stop eating beef or you know, like all that other kind of stuff and you're sitting there and he does these investigations into countries and civilizations around the world oh. where every civilization on earth has always had a meat-based diet there have been very, very, very few people that have ever, you know, if any, had a, a a vegetable diet and that was it, like no meat. And you're just sitting there going like, oh my God, the food pyramid, that's theirs. Like all of this stuff and you're just like, huh, well, I guess if we didn't have fiat currency in this, you know, in in in, in play between us and the interactions that we have and the universities and everything, every interaction that it's in affected in our lives would probably be way healthier people we probably have way healthier relationships we have you know better you know just better communities all around and the, the, the i don't know the stress on the health industry would be reserved for much more I, I should say more common less less range of things that just wouldn't exist I have so much to say but go ahead <laughs> no i no i was gonna say it's it's uh it's actually really sickening to think of how life would be different if we didn't live in a uh, manipulated currency marketplace uh, with uh, intentional inflation um, and this ridiculous focus on consumerism. Like this is, this is something also that I think is it can be cross platform because 
being a free marketer and what has become what what has become what people call capitalist are two different things mm-hmm. right like a a capitalist is no longer i think what milton friedman thought or maybe milton friedman thought of something that was a little bit of a watered down version of what we have as a capitalist today um but the 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 idea of free markets and sound money are so a far field from the system that we have today that everything, uh, health comes into play, the environmental impact comes into play, uh, the family unit comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, it yep. just, it, it's, it, it is this everything. virus that just infects every single part of your life and you don't even see it. Like you, you mm-hmm. don't directly feel it. It's so so true like stealthy that it just kind of like invades itself like we were having this conversation the other day like we we have money that's in the market and i'm essentially betting against the market right but the market can have enough money to be wrong longer than you can afford to be right right and so it's somewhat of a a, a rigged yeah. marketplace right of yeah um, i told them there's nothing anarchist about being in the market well <laughs> I, I, I like I to like think it. I like to think, your ideals. I, dude, I, I, I come back to the movie The Big Short. Like I, I want to be like I want to be not necessarily Michael Burry. Um, shit, I forget the guy's name. But basically uh, the guy that Steve Carell plays. And he's like, wait oh, a minute. He gets you, so frustrated. He's like, though. he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> he's like, all these people are walking around like they're in a fucking Enya video. Like they don't understand what kind of shit they're trying to pull around here. And he's like, they lost control of the market. And I can profit from their demise. He was like, fuck yeah, I want that to be right. Like, I want that to be reality, you know? Um, but we were having this conversation the other day about, you know, that money, if it, if it is within that system, it does, um, like, regardless of whether you're betting for it or against it, it does just further perpetuate that system. Like, that system of uh, essentially the, the casino where the house always wins. Like, even yep. if you win in the short term, Long term, they they can always print more money. They can always borrow more money. They can always take the position against you. You know. For now. Well, yeah, I I, I think. I think um, that's the biggest optimism that I see on the horizon is just like th- they're losing control of that system now. They've lost control of communication, and yeah. they are losing control of the finance system. Which, mm. you know, that's that's really something, right? Like. When when there's this the old saying, you know, the the greatest trick that the, the devil ever pulled was convincing the world it didn't exist. And yeah. I think exactly how the banks view themselves when it comes to government, right? Like everybody's like government, 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 or the corporations, whatever, right? Democrat or Republican depends on where you came from. But at the end of the day, you know, nobody's really focused on the banks. Even now, like people are like, oh, you know, Jerome Powell and inflation that some people that are paying attention maybe understand a little bit of it. The people, most people don't understand it enough to understand like, hey, no, listen, there are there is a banking cabal and that mm-hmm. banking cabal is the one that has taken over as of 1971 in Bretton Woods, too, when we unpegged from the gold center. Like that was a coup d'etat. There was a coup d'etat before that with FDR when he said, hey, we're not giving you guys your your gold. And then, you know, in 1913, there was another coup d'etat. So, like, we haven't been on a constitutional republic for a long, long time. What's sick about this, too, is that it, it's it's not anything new. 
yeah. right? Like the, the idea of a Federal Reserve Bank has had other iterations throughout history yeah. because it's just a different mechanism of debasing the currency and stealing as much wealth as you can for a small subset of the population yeah. once a civilization hits a certain level of prosperity, right? I mean, it's basically the exit point. You know, what I appreciate about the Bitcoiners is Bitcoiners are legitimately looking for a solution outside of the system, okay. whereas other people might still be trying to work within the system to like, you know, not necessarily reform it, but, you know, profit from its demise or whatever, which I, I can't say that I'm not one of those people. I'm I'm also an advocate for if you're stacking sats off of your demise, then what was that? if you're stacking sats off their demise, if you're accumulating Bitcoin off of the demise of, you know, I don't know, whatever is going on in the stock market, because you see what's happening and you know, what's coming yeah. and you're preparing your family for it. Like there's, there's no dishonor in that. And, 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 you know, that that's the thing is when, when it's said and done and fiat goes its way and CBDCs are, you know, revolted over and people are like, no, you guys can, you guys can take that money. I'm going to go over here to this freedom money. Right. And I'm going to yeah. work in these industries. And I'm going to get paid Bitcoin. Like, you know, we're, we're obviously a little ways from that. I don't think we're as far as a lot of people thought we would be. Right. And so I think it's coming faster and faster, but Ec that, economic collapse, it soon causes a lot of things to happen very quickly. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's that old saying, how did you go broke? You know, little by little and then all of a sudden. Then all at once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, I, I, we, we have that conversation a lot because we're like, well, why do we even have the money still in the system? Like, why would we also, the other angle is like, why would you bet on companies that you know are corrupt? Yeah. Right? Like why, real. why wouldn't you bet on yourself? Right, yep. like invest money in yourself. You know? I said, why don't we do like a business and invest the money in that? We, like, which I, we, like, where we're actually in control of it, rather than some corrupt ass fucking. Well, government. which which we are, uh, we have to start putting the the pieces in place to. You know, we're, we're gonna have your kids in our homeschool yeah. classes, Shane. You <laughs> so, can't stop us. So, <laughs> I appreciate I rock as a writing teacher. <laughs> so no, I, what's funny is that, like I, I would love to bounce this idea off of you as a as a fellow homeschool parent. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people there's a lot of solutions out there for uh homeschool curriculums for the basics, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic, and stuff like that. Um, our kids are a little bit different. They're on school. So they, <laughs> you know, they kind of guide their own education. Right. Um, but regardless of whether or not you're kind of, uh, a strict curriculum based family or whether you're kind of like this unschool, um, type family, uh, we feel like there's a need out there for, um, classes that, uh, kind of like fill some of these gaps. And some of the gaps are, uh, creative writing, creative thinking, um, just creativity art, in art space, art space classes and then also uh life skills type stuff right so uh applying the art of war in your everyday life right um financial planning and talking about decentralized financial planning as opposed to you know fiat based centralized uh financial planning oh, yeah. um but re but really focused for, you know for kids like help help parents be able to kind of um teach these things that yeah they, they'll probably want to supplement with their own perspective or whatever but we're not teaching math science and english well it's, we i when i teach creative writing i'm like 
fucking throw the rules out the window. I don't give a shit how you spell or your grammar. <laughs> I mean, I, I just this, want you to come up with something cool and let's work on it. This well, might not be a class. Idea. You think I have a book on Maltov cocktails? Right now, but, um, <laughs> oh, the, you know, you don't need a book on those. <laughs> just, just make sure you're using are one you proof. Always, proof oh, those are the above. ones I got you. I got them. Like I went on Etsy for Christmas, and I got them. Are these anarchist books? Yeah, they're little like zines that are homemade. <laughs> Here you go. This one is called "The Anarchist Survival yes. Guide for Understanding Gestapo Swine Interrogation Mind Games." <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. You can get like 10 of them and they're random, but they're all anarchy. That's at least a 15, 20 minute class right there. So it's, it's <laughs> oh, minimum, minimum, right? Yeah, no, and that's, that's, yes, that is what homeschool should be, right? Like my, my wife is traditional teacher, right? Like she, she went to Michigan state, great, you know, school for teaching mm -hmm. and she's curriculum based. And then there's dad, right? And like, Hey, come with me. Right. And then you, you talk and they listen and, you know, you try to teach them something of value. And most of the times, if you're doing something valuable, it's amazing how kids will tune in, right? Like if you can translate something into why it's important, do it with some energy and have some fun and treat them like they're not little kids, right? Like this, most kids don't want to treat like little kids, right? They want to be treated as an equal. And so, if you give them and all that kind of stuff, and you're like, hey, <laughs> you know, like my middle child, like if people think their kids don't swear, you're you're high, right? Like oh maybe God. never step in our house. <laughs> yeah, maybe your firstborn doesn't, but let me tell you, that middle kid, that guy loves to swear, and I know <laughs> right? Because I was like, listen, when I was your, your age, I said swear words, and so like, listen, or you know, daddy words in this house. I know you're going to say them. Here's the thing. Do it smart. Don't say them around grandma and grandpa. Don't say them around your mom. Don't say them around your and don't say them in public. Ever. Right? Don't ever no. you gonna get... don't say them in public when I'm around. Yeah, That's yeah. all. No, no, gonna... no. Don't say them in public because that makes me look like an asshole. Yeah. Don't do that. Right? Like, and that's the thing is like, you're going to do it. You're going to screw up. And then I'm going to tell you, you can't cuss anymore because you don't do it like an adult. And like, you know what? Bam, light bulb goes on, and all of a sudden, like I can go out and do carpentry or homesteading or whatever, especially with you know, with Henry. And man, you just have a good time like talking like a, a, a real dude to a kid that's you know looking at his dad with a big ass chainsaw or you know, whatever you, you know, whatever you're getting into that day, right? And he's like right there with him. He's like, Yeah, man, like this is awesome. And that's the thing, is like most lessons that you ever learn that were worth a damn from great teachers you didn't even know you were learning something you're just like oh cool you know like yeah. you know this guy showed me how to do this today or something it's really really cool to have that kind of attention given to somebody that wants you around so that they can pass something to you like, that's yeah. the secret to like that's how i teach anyway no that's 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 good awesome. stuff i love that you yeah. should come teach our son how to curse because he doesn't get it no no, no. <laughs> he knows how to curse he doesn't know how to control it which, well, which, you know what? He doesn't do it in public, so that has to be something good. Uh, he does it under his breath, which I'll give him credit for. Like, <laughs> I won't actually like pat him on the back for it. But, um, so, oh, here's the thing. Did you find the guy? I did find the dude. Okay, hold on. You're gonna love this story, Shane. This is this is like the most amazing story I've ever read in my entire life. Okay, this dude, his name is Joe. No, sorry, John Joe Gray. Okay. 
And the article is, move over, Oregon. Texas arms standoff ends after 15 years. One year. One year. It still took these freaking bureaucrats a year to sign off on the paperwork to stop the siege of this guy's property, right? He wasn't serious the first 14 years. (laughs) (laughs) So... According to WFAA, John Joe Gray was arrested in 1999 for assaulting a state trooper during a traffic stop when he was found carrying a pistol without a permit, telling the officer it was his God-given right to carry the gun. Gray attacked the officer and bit him, okay? This is like, it gets even better. Although charged with assaulting a public servant, Gray refused to go to court and face charges. Instead, he armed himself in his own home, warning law enforcement officials if they came looking for him that they better bring extra body bags. Those who live by the sword will die. The dude held out for 15 years. And finally, they were like, you know what? He's not not worth it. You're a coward, man. That's independent. That's what independence does for you. Freedom. You know what? And... What's crazy? How long ago was that? What's crazy? Like decades ago? No, 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 dude. The charges were dropped in 2015, 2016. Like it's it's recent history, man. When they had like that's militarized cops is what that is. (laughs) But like the 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 that is that's a fucking American, okay? Not someone who is brainwashed into thinking that they have to walk straight and freaking salute the flag and do this all all this other stuff. That dude was freaking unbelievable in his embracing of liberty and freedom but this goes back to my own issue which i'm like a medical freedom person (laughs) frankie's like i was supposed to be at a a state board meeting this evening (laughs) starting at the same time but it's freaking shane and we're we're doing the lord's work thank you (laughs) shout out to everybody in new jersey too i love you guys man (laughs) (laughs) medical like that's how I've always been medical freedom. Like, that's just my thing. So, um, partly because I wasn't vaccinated because I don't choose to vaccinate my kids. You have to stand up for that shit because one day they want to take that shit away. And, um, and when I think about medical freedom and one of the things that I think about a lot is, you know, you go to schools and, and when you put kids in school, a lot of times they want the kids to, um, get ADHD drugs or whatever they put them on. It's all, it's everywhere. And I think about how many people, and it starts in the school, and it kind of relates to what you're saying. It starts in the school, and then as you know, teenagers who were given no education in how their body works, how their feelings work, how their heart works, how their mind works, instead just put them on SAT tests, like they become depressed and they don't know what the fuck to do, and their relationships fall apart. And you know, like, so we have all these 1920s and into their 20, you know, mid 20s that end up on you know all kinds of drugs, anti-depression, anti-anxiety. They're gaining weight. They have sleep problems, so they're taking sleep medications. You have an entire. So you're saying he's American, and what I'm saying is American right now is fucking drugged up. What do you like, know? We we don't like. Like that, that hood spot is that the word? Is that even American? Word? It could be. It's a Jewish word, but it, I'm not like, Jewish word for sure. There's got to be a Polish word for it because I'm Polish. Otherwise, yeah. I'm appropriating. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> whatever it is. But whatever it is, it's like we don't. There, there's generations now who don't have that, who've been given all these reasons why they're not 
okay. Well, yeah. You know, and all, or, or why they are okay. I don't even know what to talk about. No, no but, but there's so much that but what we you're are saying is the, the average American is that, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is that the, even the word American or, or even the, the word, you know, free, you know, the phrase like, I mean, you use it all the time, Shane, like free people, right? Like it doesn't even matter what you identify as like nationality wise or whatever, right? A free person, they live freely. That dude lived freely. Yeah. He was like, fuck was like, you. I'm going to do whatever I want. And he might have been imbalanced. Stack up. <laughs> no, guaranteed that dude's not on meds. Oh. No, he might have Guaranteed he ain't on meds. I guarantee, like, I, I get it, man. And that's the thing is, like, you know, when, when you get to that certain point where you're like, man, you're not going to put me in a cage. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't think there's a lot of people that are ready for that commitment, right? Like c commitment to themselves. Like, listen, I'm not an animal. You're not ever going to put me in a cage. And if that means you send some idiots out here to threaten, harass, or try to cage or kill a peaceful person, you're going to have the fight of your life in your hands. Mm. And I don't want it that man. Like I've told my local sheriff, Hey man, I'm a real peaceful dude that just wants to be left alone on his mountain out here. I am like, listen, we're squeaky. Like, don't think, you know, that you're going to come out here and find something. You're going to lose some really young deputies if you do anything like that. Yeah. How, how much do you believe in the law that you're about to try and yeah. enforce? Right. And like, I don't, I don't want to kill your guys, man. And I don't think you want, you know, you know, my kids and everybody else. Like, I don't think you want that on your head either. So you be cool. I'm cool. Let's, let's be cool peaceful people right and like now it's like all right dude how do i get you to adopt this for like every other person in the county and uh, they're not there yet right yeah. <laughs> not quite there i it, it's it's really i it's really unnerving but at the same time like that that phrase like the saying that you know good times create or, or tough times create strong men strong yeah. men create good times, good times create weak men. Like, and it just kind of like cycles and cycles. Right. Um, it, I mean, like we're in that time period, like people got to toughen up because shit's coming. Like it ain't, it ain't even gotten hard yet. Right. Like we're, we are on the precipice right now of a, an economic calamity. And I think that most people, they don't know. Don't, they don't even know. Like they're, they're just like, they're, they're like, Oh, well maybe I have to like cancel Netflix this month. Cause like, you know, yeah. money's getting a little tight or whatever. Dude, I, man. Oh, that's, man. The thing, like, that's the thing, right? Like I, I got a show coming out later this week. I sat down with uh, one of my buddies. We'll just call him Castro. Right. Mm. And he's Cuban and he's dynamite guy. I let him, you know, come up here and hunt like part of the family, you know, and He's, he's a guy that's, you know, uh, you know, his family escaped Cuba. He knows, you know, what it was to be close to Castro. Um, uh, yeah. it's like family was related and, you know, because they weren't part of the regime, like shit got really nuts. And I like, you know, being, you know, of my background and living in, you know, squalor and dirt and all that kind of stuff in war zones and, you know, just normal life back in the day. Like there is some shared understanding of what it really is to be controlled, manipulated, and absolutely on the brink of death, right? Mm -hmm. And not not be at your own will, but because some crazy ass megalomaniac tyrant 
has said, well, it's going to be my way and I'm going to use force and coercion up into murdering masses of people. And like we, I think the cool thing is, is like Miami will never be sacked by communists, right? Like you got too many Cubans with guns. For, for one thing and like they're everywhere like the cubans are everywhere and they are armed and they're like fuck you man yeah. we're not on that island we saw what happened you can shove that communist shit up your dumb ass right you take of our shirt i will rip that off your like and like they will yeah but then you've also got this you know a lot of people who are you know vets that are like hey man like we we basically exported and then re-imported suffering like we've seen this shit up close and oh by the way like you've got 20 years worth of combat veterans in the united states right now that are like nah i don't think so fuckers that's an interest like you you look at this paradigm that we're in and you're like i don't know man i just see hope like i i know the tough times are coming right i know the economy is going to collapse but you still got an internet connection you still got power you still got like all these you know things that are you know you're, you're still you're probably still eating right like you're probably still going to the grocery store and you're still eating things that you normally ate mm. like shit has not gotten it like we're still soft like oh, super yeah. soft in america and there's this really cool thing that's going to happen like as inflation continues to you know crank up and it's still going to crank up you know and the interest rates go up whatever is going to happen like the economy is going to crash hard but there's an exit now and it's like, all right, well, just how fast can you get smart and not lose everything that you ever worked for and oh, yeah. get into this, uh, you know, this stuff called Bitcoin? Like, how fast can you do that? If you can convince people like, hey, man, there's an exit strategy and we're already working on it. And it's all for the people who have been slaves their entire life, like you were talking about without seeing the prison. Now you're like, oh, my God, I think that's honestly like. Some of the things that are happening around the world where people are revolting against their governments, it's the, it's awesome. the, the best use case I've heard of Bitcoin or, or the best um, like proof that you can give to someone who's who's a skeptic. Right. Is just how Bitcoin has been used in places that have authoritarian regimes like Cuba, um, like North Korea, like china right like they've they've legit tried to ban bitcoin because yeah. of, and then go to of, a digital currency well so here's the thing I mean, like right the, the the authoritarians are always going to try and find the next thing right yeah. and so their thought process is okay well we'll just co-op it right like we'll try and uh, essentially uh, uh either legislate it out of existence or regulate it and then essentially take it over the way that they did with gold and silver and and then essentially traded it in for fiat currency. They'll try and do that with a central bank digital currency. What I think is fantastic about Bitcoin is they can't get it all. Like that's the one thing that people need to understand, whether it's Bitcoin or whether it's Monero or whether it's Pirate Chain or whether it's Hive or one of the other ones that are out there. It's so decentralized that unless they find the last server that's like in fucking Uzbekistan and someone's like back shed, they're not going to be able to get it all. They just can't. Right. And so that decentralized aspect of it is is incredible from the standpoint of if you have enough people that are dedicated and, and there is a religion that is associated with Bitcoin and with crypto that you're not going to be able to break that tie. You're just not. Um, and what, what's crazy is 
uh, a lot of people have already begun to front run this next economic cycle where uh, we actually had uh, Clint on from from Liberty Lockdown. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking economics. Um, I learned a lot. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. <laughs> um, and, and he essentially talked about the fact that, like, we're going to hit depression. And then the next step after the depression is hyperinflation, because that's the way they think. Right. Like the yeah. the the downturn, they can't allow it to exist for too long because of the politics and all that shit that takes over. So what they're going to do is essentially we're, we'll be Zimbabwe. It's going to be one down and one up. And then that's basically when Ooh, the central pop. bank digital currencies come. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it's Trump reassuring. It, right? it, I mean, Gary, digital currency is Fucking well, no, and it's already been called out by I forget if he said this recently or I saw a video of uh, Neil Kashkari, who's like one of the homers for for the Federal Reserve. Um, he was talking within recent history about how the only purpose of central bank digital currency wasn't a store of value or anything like that. It was essentially surveillance and control. But right? We like that's talking, the only use. We were talking about digital currency and everyone called us fucking conspiracy theorists. <laughs> 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 we were talking about it a while ago. We're yeah. like, these old vaccine yeah. Of course the CIA is calling you conspiracy theorists when you yeah. talk about uh, crypto. Oh, yeah. and, and Did Bitcoin. you see the story about, um, so like bank runs aren't uh, aren't an unusual occurrence in China, um, especially with some of the regional banks where there's a lot of corruption and stuff, sure. but they become more and more frequent. And um, there was this one story recently about how the one bank that got a lot of popularity from the people protesting in the front because they froze all their accounts, there was supposed to be a protest the month before, and the organizers of the protest couldn't get there because they changed the status of their COVID passport on their phone. That's fucking scary. I think the dude. stuff that happened in Canada was fucking scary. That's fucking scary. Oh, it's, like, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I think right now, had the U.S. not had weapons, right? Mm. Like you're talking about like, Man, it, I think it all falls apart. Like, I think it really falls apart because, you know, the manipulation of, I mean, Australia, Canada, I mean, two, two of the places where, you know, anybody from America can can go and really not feel like they've, and minus some accents, right? You've, yeah, you've like got, assimilate, yeah. Oh, but that's the fun stuff. You could pass, yeah. Right. <laughs> you're, 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 there's not going to be any problem going to those countries. But what happened in those two countries and what's still happening in those two countries? I think Melbourne just came out and said something about like, hey, you're if you're not getting your fifth like jab, you're yeah. not up to date, right? And they're like, man, that kind of stuff is crazy. They, they just find someone... It is, it is a, when you go, you, so you can now go over the border into Canada, mm -hmm. but if you're not uh, vaccinated or if you refuse to use the stupid app that they have, right, you're not required to, but if you don't use it, you get fined like 15,000 Canadian. Like it is a, is like that real, like recently. Yeah. So there was someone who posted the other day, one little area? it was like a mutual whose mom tried to visit them in Canada and said, no, I'm not using the app because it had tracking on it and stuff. And I think she might've even gotten the shot, like the, one, one of the, one of the doses. And she was like, no, I'm not showing my Canada pass or whatever it was. And they were like, okay, well, that's fine. That's your right. But uh, we're but fining you $15,000 for not having it. <laughs> and and you're like, well, at that point in time, it's not a right anymore. At, at that point in time, it's a privilege that then gets to be 
uh, essentially financially condoned or or punitively punished as a result of whether or not you're exercising it or not. It's like there was there was one late. Do you watch Dell Big Tree? Do you watch The High Wire? Oh my oh, god, my dude. friend, you have to watch this. <laughs> the, every every Thursday on thehighwire.com. You got to watch Dell. He just interviewed He's... Ron Johnson, uh Senator Ron Johnson. Absolutely fantastic interview. But so anyway, and he did a whole off. thing on food, which I'm sure you would like really appreciate about yeah. Am Amos Miller and how their government's trying to crack down on his I, I don't know. You if see you saw this Amish thing. guy in Pennsylvania who the yeah. FBI raided his place. Yep. He yeah. had him on. It, it's you've got to. I mean, Dell is really about vaccines, but he's like his is the Informed um, Consent Action Network, and um, what was he was talking about? He's like um, man-made disease, man-made disease, which yeah. he considers to be environmental as well as like farming and stuff, food-based as well as vaccine. So he's been like a hundred percent COVID pretty much for like a long time, but he just started kind of breaching back out into the stuff he used to do. And this last uh, last two weeks were really good, yeah, because it was Ron Johnson the week before, right? He, he was, was he was also um, there's one doctor out of the guys in Hawaii now. Ugh, is that who, my favorite? Who talks about gut health? Yes, right. What's his name? Um, I forget his yeah. name every time. I, I always have to look it up. But so um, Super he talks, Zach Brown. Uh, Zach. Uh, damn it, Zach. <laughs> no, you no, got to listen to this guy, Zach. Yeah, I so, say Zach Abrams, but that's not right. No, so was, was uh, the guy that was on with Zach uh, Zach Efron that uh, was doing all of the. Was he on with Zach Efron on his show on Netflix. Yeah, I don't. Zach know Bush. Yeah, Zach, Zach Bush. Zach Bush. Oh, okay. yeah. So freaking amazing to listen to. He he talks about He's how so um, depleted soil and depleted food essentially lead to. Uh, generational decreases in the, the quality and the amount of gut bacteria. Um, and so he's so freaking he, he's essentially talked about, you know, factory farming and, and other kind of processes that originally might have been beneficial from the standpoint of the fact that we had a, a shortage of food. So you'd rather have lower quality food than no food. Right. right. But um, we've gotten to the point now where and, and going back to, you know, fiat currency and and the banking cabal and, and essentially the controlled inflationary environment we live in. Um, we've gotten to the point where we have an overabundance of food, so much food that most of the food that's created is shit. crap. It's yeah, shit. It's, it's, it's yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's nothing. It's not legacy. It's not heirloom. It's just, it's these like Frankenstein type breeds and, and things like that, that are grown um, for expediency and looks not for not nutritive value. Sure. Right. Um, and so well, what's interesting. Oh, I don't mean to cut you well, off. Well, no, what I was going to say is uh, Del Bigtree is absolutely fantastic. He interviewed Amos is Miller. Or was it the raw guy? No, no. It, Amos Miller was Am the, so the Amos, farmer. Amos Miller is the, the um, essentially the, the he's Mennonite or he's Amish. Amish. Um, and so Which I think you can trust their farms the most. This comes on the tail of the farmer revolts that happened in the Netherlands, as well mm -hmm. as in Poland and Italy and some of the other countries. Um, he uses natural means for disinfecting so he uses a uh, high concentration vinegar and some other things in his food process he allows the cows to graze on the herbs that naturally grow in the field i like it, which keeps their gut health really absolutely pure. incredible right like mm -hmm. high quality food and they came in to shut him down because he won't he won't bow to these packaging you know because they want him requirements. to put, like, hey, yeah in whatever the what was it bleach? Did he say literally the word bleach? I don't remember. But something in like to you know de yeah they do a bleach spray. It's a bleach to spray that he refuses to do. 
Um, so but, they want to shut them down. So absolutely unbelievable. If, if, if you have the time, it's like one to two hours every single Thursday. It's the highwire.com. Okay. Uh, oh my God. Absolutely watch him. The, He's so good. You can watch all his past episodes. He was, uh, especially if you have like a vaccine situation with your kids and like not really doing it. He was one of the first ones to have on, um, Dr. Zelenko who mm -hmm. just passed away, who, uh, was the, one of the pioneers of the hydroxychloroquine protocol. They called everything way in advance. He, he was talking about stuff six months in advance from when everyone else was basically breaking this stuff. It was, it was incredible. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's the, it, it is crazy how the banking system as a baseline for this stuff has created a mechanism that has just degraded, um, what, what used to be a healthy burgeoning, uh, like just amazing civilization. Like the, I, I, I hate when fucking Republicans use this, like, you know, the, the light on top of the hill, like the beacon on oh, top yeah. of the hill bullshit. Yeah. And you're like, you fucked it up too. Like, like it, you're right. It used to be that. And it's not that way. And you're partly at fault because it was, it was an amazing fucking idea that just got, and like but now, now you are perplexed by the idea of the fact that I say that I'm more an anti-federalist than a federalist, right? No, I, it took me a while to understand that. I actually, Shane, I listened to some of your, you reading the anti-federalist paper. Oh boy. What were, what were you doing? <laughs> Were we driving back and forth from Georgia at the time? Probably. I think we were. <laughs> yeah. We might have been waving at you on the way by. <laughs> but I'm understanding these things slowly. I, I am the kind of person that, like, my history class was, like, they wheeled in a TV. Yeah, you were indoctrinated. Yeah. yeah they, they you were indoctrinated like the rest of us. In that, like, yeah. When you, when you, it was, like, like black and white. Super and good I, indoctrination too, right? Like I don't like, remember anything. I can't I don't even remember like, timeline. I can, like stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, I love this, you know, country. When you're like, oh God, now I start. <laughs> like, I'm at the baseball game, and you know, like now I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is a uh, this is all brainwashed stuff. What's yeah. great is like, you know, if I go to the brain uh, to a Braves game or something with my brother. And, you know, there for the opening, you know, flyovers and just the deluge of, you know, America. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, he, he and I are sitting there like looking at each other like, God, this is gross, man. <laughs> sick. Yeah. And like it took a, I mean, seriously, it took me a long, a, a long time to get there. And yeah, it, it, it's painful, man. It's painful. I mean, left, right, center, whatever you were. Like if you weren't this person that was informed about like how they became a very centralized government in the first place and then adopted all this Prussian, you know, propaganda in terms of like homogenating a culture, you're just like, dude, who who are you? What are you reading? Like you're you're an abnormality, and you know how this, the system reacts, right? Like here's Agent mm -hmm. Smith, and you know what are you doing, dude? And they're like, man. That, that it's it's tough to throw off indoctrination it's tough because they're very good at it and they've been doing it for a very long time I mean, history is always the worst class i think or maybe oh uh, it's the worst class because they have it's to so fake awful. it they have to fake it yeah and it's, it's just like and i like i was saying last week was it last week in the show I was saying i really think like some of the my my, my most things i remember is when i would ask my dad because my dad was a history buff so I would often sit down and he'd tell me about how World War One and World War II started. And I remember the stories he would tell me because he would tell them to me like a movie, you know, like, so I would get it, you know, 
um, there's a, I used to work for a Montessori school and the way they taught the civil war was they would bring someone in and the kids would write their own play and then perform it. And they would all take roles. Like that's the way to fucking teach theater, like uh, to teach history is like to teach it through these mechanisms of story. Instead, we like, we have to fact memorize and then just fucking shoot that shit out and then forget that because you got to make more space. <laughs> but I, I like, I don't remember. And I'm sad that my dad's not here anymore because he used to teach me so much. And I would say like, well, okay, well, and we'd argue and I'd say like, well, why would this happen then? Or, you know, and that's the things that I remember are like those conversations or you know, like, I remember a lot of what he told me about Vietnam and, and those like first encounters. And now we're getting to the age where there's not a lot of World War II. I mean, they don't really have any World War II veterans that survived a lot of stuff, right? Well, that's, that's also what's very dangerous is we've lived through such a long period of propaganda, right? That the, uh, the first person accounts are, are now going like, away. Yeah, they're not really. Um, and it's it, it is kind of scary because um, you know take it back to the COVID thing. I mean, like the they they had literal Holocaust survivors um, explaining why you know like uh, vaccine passports and and some of the draconian things that they were instituting were essentially Nazi esque. Um, mm. Those those people are few and far between. There are only a handful of them left, right? Yeah. Um, and so. You know, all you have to do is you have to just run the propaganda machine for long enough. That's for totally people 1984. To, to forget, <laughs> right? Like, change it up. Um, because Ugh. you know, you 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 end up with enough people, or or most of the people that haven't directly lived through those things. So you you can essentially program them with whatever reality you, you want to program them with. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it, it's it's unnerving, but I I agree with you, Shane. I, I like. There, there is some white pill that's that's out there because there are people that are beginning to fight back. You know, um, I, I, I would I would liken it to some of these things that are happening in Canada. Some of these, you know, oh, the, the farmers, farmers protests. In Sri Lanka. Um, and what's great is it's not, uh, you know, it's it's blue collared, hardworking people that are fighting back. It's not these, you know, uh, oh, the woke democratic socialist, uh, you know, college kids that are yeah. demonstrating it's, it's, you know, it's the people that actually make life work, you know, what is the farmer? What's and... the lady with the seed name? You got to tell him about her. Oh, uh, Vandana so Shiva. You've got to look I, at her. Too. She was also, she was on Russell Brand show. So, um, she was at the forefront of, if, if, I think it was Dr. Vandana Shiva, Shiva, right? Um, she was at the forefront of, uh, you've heard of the, the seed revolt that happened in India. Um, essentially the, uh, Monsanto came in and, and oh, essentially, yeah hijacked Indian farming. Right. Um, and so she was at the forefront of the resistance where they were banking heirloom seeds to protect, protect them from the invasive GMO seeds that were coming in. Um, and, uh, if you remember, they had a rash of Indian farmers that were essentially committing suicide, 400,000 of them, because to them, it was, uh, it was, a, a dishonoring, to their family for them not to be able to produce food uh, and produce food for their family or produce income. And so they would have some of these GMO, GMO crops that would just spontaneously mass die off. And so if your entire livelihood is based off of season to season, being able to bring out a crop one year when all of your crops die, you're sunk, right? Like you're, you're impoverished. 
Um, and so they were committing Harry Carey as a result of it. So she, uh, she's such a good speaker. She's like an amazing speaker. You would love to she, listen to she her. She talks about, you know, the, the relationship with the earth. That's the other thing. Like, I think a lot more people should farm because. Oh, my God. We took it full circle. The, yeah. Like the. <laughs> The, the relationship that you get with the, the soil and the plants and, and how things come about. I'm like, there are tons of people. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm a huge advocate of like, I really don't think people should eat meat that's sourced from like a commercial farm or something like that, because you have no appreciation for where it came from, right? Like you have no appreciation for what it took for the animal to grow. You have no appreciation for what it took to cull the animal from nature. Um, you didn't get to thank the animal. Like this is like an uh, American I Indian kind of thing. You don't get to thank the animal for giving its life so that you can live. Right. Like it's, it's right. also mechanical and detached, you know? Um, but yeah, she's, she's also someone that's amazing that I've been listening to recently because she was at the forefront of basically pushing back fascism in India. Um, when it came to these ag companies, co-opting the government in in india essentially the same way that the green and the esg movement is co-opting yeah, the, the governments in, in some of these you know wef countries um the, the u.s included yeah. you know um well, let me ask you about this uh in terms of kind of the 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 things that have happened recently um do you think this is like a collapsitarian moment because we, when you look at um the Inflation Prevention Act, which is anything but, you look at uh, 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 cancellation of student loan debt, which is essentially just a payoff to banks to keep them afloat. Um, when you look at the the 87,000 IRS agents that are being hired to supposedly go after rich people. Or cannon fodder, right? Bullshit, right? They're, yeah. they're going after small business owners and mom and pops. Like, that's who sure. they're going after. Um is this a collapsitarian moment? Like, do you think the wheels can stay on the truck here or, or, or do you think this goes down pretty quick? No, I think we're done. I mean, and I don't mean that like as a bad thing, like um, I'm actually looking forward to DC not being a thing anymore. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like I, think if, I, I think if DC was invaded <laughs> by like Russia and China, I'd be like, cool. Uh, yeah. I, I don't care. Keep it in DC and stay the, stay out of the rest of the U S right. Like, you know, and that's kind of if you look back at American history, you know, we we really depended on you know France, uh, the Dutch to help us against the United Kingdom when mm -hmm. we fought back, right? And you know, is it is it a different culture than it was then? Maybe, but I, I do. I think they're trying to ram this thing in the thing into the ground to to do quote unquote the WEF Great Reset, right? Yeah, um, but when when we're looking at this in, in a bigger picture, it's, it's the hubris of these megalomaniacs that are, you know, upper echelons that are always betting against the free market. And once again, the free market is bigger. It's, um, it's more, you know, connected than they think it's that, that it is. They don't take into account people's will to survive. And this you know, this necessity, like those guys don't have a lot of necessity. The guys that are, you know, going out and busting their home, you know, the blue collar people like you had talked about, they're getting uncomfortable. Like I, man, I went by the house I grew up in, in the neighborhood over in Lawrenceville, like this weekend for the gun show. And like all the weeds in the yards are all, you know, like over your knee, probably close to your waist high. There are very few houses in that neighborhood that are surviving this downturn, right? In terms mm -hmm. of like, 
what's what these people have turned to is putting food on the table probably and you know i mean when i lived in that neighborhood in the 80s and 90s times were tight and now they're not getting by and so i think this is just that beautiful moment where you've got necessity that's coming out and and really helping people you know push a, a completely new paradigm, an evolution in in our species, really, and I think, that, man, <laughs> I'm excited about this shit, bro. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. I, you have I know to where look you're going. This up. <laughs> we we did an episode on this. Hold on. So we did an episode on this. We so. are gonna have my. So I I've been learning about human design, which is kind of like astrology and um, I Ching. It's if you don't believe in that stuff, it's kind of like that idea though. It's like based in, it has a lot, it brings a lot of things together. So one of the people that I've gotten, I've worked with is going to come on the show in a few weeks and talk about it more. But the, the idea in human design is that in two, February, I think February 8th February or 10th of 2027. of 2027, we like, we've basically been in one kind of what they call gates in 2000 in a human design. And we've been in the gate of planning since I think, what did I have, 1620 something? Yeah. Or 1630. It's, it's basically been 450 years. And then. So, and then February of 2027, we move into a gate called the Sleeping Phoenix. And so it's going from like this whole community, like uh, not uh, community in a different way. It's going from like this place. The, the focus of that? it is decentralization. It's, yeah. It's going into two, 2027. It's like, yeah, totally decentralized government kind of stuff. It's a local community based. It's neighbors. like, um, it's neighbors. It's, it's like, you know, it's almost like, uh, I doubt Hoppe knew about it, but like Hoppe was probably channeling some of that stuff, right? Like yeah. um, it, it really talks about what we kind of kicked off the episode talking about with, um, you know, localized uh, dude, like freaking John Bush and freedom cells is right in line with that, right? Like yeah. the idea of having this very close localized unit that you can rely on um, because these big centralized um, institutions that you've become reliant upon, uh, even down to say like, you know, the food distribution system that we have within the world and, and energy and stuff like that, all of that is going to essentially become decentralized, um, in very short order. Uh, and you can almost kind of see it happening. It's in almost real happening. Time. In front it's like, of, like, crazy. So, like, because it's like a, f I know I sound wacky cause it's like astrology stuff, but it's <laughs> more than that. But it just makes so much sense. And I've done a lot of work with human design. So I've kind of seen it in my own life kind of be echoed. And I'm like, the minute I started learning about it, I was like, Oh my God, that's who I am. Like something was something just clicked. I was like, that's totally me. And it made a lot of sense. But so the 2027 thing is like, it's just so crazy because we're what it's been 400 something years. And now we're, we're what they say is we're midwifing it. We're basically right now we're in contractions. I said contractions so, the other day. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're right. Like we're right in the contractions. We're not pushing it. When we yep. start pushing in that like 400 year, when it happens, that's going to be like, Oh shit moment. And then it's just going to completely break down into this place where it's like, you know, you need to depend on yourself. You need to know your skills. You know, there's not going to be the systems in place that you think are in place. Like it's going to be a complete, you know, and 
And I've, and it's not only human, you know, as I've been looking into this in human design, it's not only human design. There are a ton of other systems that are calling on this 2027 thing. It is like, and I sound crazy and like I'm Alex Jones or something, but, <laughs> but it's like, Black helicopters. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Raw. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> the, the Clintons. Yeah. yeah. You know what they're doing. <laughs> they're, they're eating golden babies. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's funny is you're talking about the like uh, we were talking about like health and nutrition and you know kind of like our our kids and what they're suffering from. One of the most recent episodes I saw of Alex was him talking about like uh, uh, he was trying to be like, and conservatives need to understand that they're they're trying to make your kids' penises smaller, like so that they can't reproduce. You got to understand that. I, I don't get why they're not saying anything more about it. It's like, at, like, and I I gotta say like I I. 90% of what Alex Jones says <laughs> to me is complete lunacy. And then 10% is genius. Like well, it is. <laughs> and I, you, like, like, I don't see why other people like a bunch of other people do see it. Cause obviously he has a following, you know, but it's like, I, I don't understand how more people can't see the, the, the beauty of I just the beauty, the beauty <laughs> of, of pushing the boundary of thought and logic and, and putting things together and finding these connections that no one else can find because they're too guarded. Well, also say it, right? Like you're yeah. either crazy, you're way ahead of your time or, or like, and that's the thing is like, man, oh man, the, to be right when it's dangerous, right? Like that's a very, like, it's a very weird thing. And like, that's, I think that's kind of caught up to Alex, right? Is like, man, wow. that guy was right 10 plus years ago. And yeah. now he's just like, oh man, now, you know, he's being attacked for, you know, the, the whole Sandy Hook thing and everything else. You're like, man, there are people out there all over the place that lie misinformation at networks and everything else. And yeah. do they ever get drug in front of a jury and then televise about how much money he's going to lose? And yeah. I'll tell you what, that one moment he's like, when he's getting prosecuted for this whole Sandy Cook thing and you're like government conspiracy or whatever and pedophiles. And he's like, Oh, you mean like the Clintons? And, you know, <laughs> and even he mentioned Jeffrey Epstein too. He was like, and, and Jeffrey Epstein, like he did that stuff too. And like, it was just like this, like, like moment. <laughs> so good. So good. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll tell you what, in a, in, in, in a, in a free world, uh, both he and Donald Trump would make Twitter much more fun for the rest of us. Could you imagine? Like, have they ever had a live interview together? Oh my god, that would be awesome. I don't know, man. That would be uh, if I could like unearth that, or like if if we could make that happen. That has to happen. Like, I'm pretty sure it's on Rumble. You, you're, you're, not gonna, like, you're not gonna find it on YouTube. You you don't, you don't like in Ghostbusters when like the gate master, the key master, and the gatekeeper come together. And they create like the hole to like the alternate dimension or yeah. whatever. If Trump and Alex Jones ever got on the same stage, that would be unfreaking believable. We have to like make that happen. That has to happen more than him going on like Joe Rogan or something. You want to talk about off-world vehicles? Yeah. Donald Trump? <laughs> uh, uh, your your uh, your your estimation of the space right. horse. You went down. Uh, you need you needed to go a lot further than that, Mr. Trump. Uh, <laughs> you went down. You went down the black hole of the fucking garden or whatever. Oh, oh my God. Hold on. All right. We've, we've kept you for two and a half hours. I feel bad. My eyeballs are floating right now. They're like, I got to literally like, I'm going to tap out any moment. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one last question. All right. Have you heard Alex Jones talk about the Bohemian Garden in uh in California? It was California or yeah. it was somewhere in the, the California the Black Coast, Black right? It is. Uh absolutely like I I can't <laughs> say that it's not true. Like have you seen the island? Have you seen that weird like of course it could be true. It's probably true. Yeah. And it's pro- and it's probably not as it's probably way more fucked up than we know it is. Yeah. Or or can imagine. I the the one the one position that I've always kept is that the people that get to positions of power and part of the reason why Trump was probably um so demonized was he didn't fit this bill as much as everyone else. Most of the people that get to the positions of power, like Biden or Obama or or, or Hillary or or the Bushes or the Cheneys, is because they have something on them so that they're controllable, right? And that story just fits. Like having this weird, debaucherous, cabal cult kind of <laughs> setting where people are just like, okay, we do weird shit to each other. In case you get all uppity and you thinking you go off and do your own thing, you know, we got you on tape or whatever. Yeah. We know you did some fucked up shit and we can reel you back in if all of a sudden you decide to grow a brain. Like that shit just makes sense to me. Right. You know, like, you know it's really kind of, you know, and kind of like wrap all that up in terms of like conspiracy, <laughs> right? Is, have you ever seen like when John Kerry kind of like came out on, I don't know what tonight show it was, but he like takes his hands like this. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. And he puts his hands in like this, and then like, yeah. Put, oh, I did see that. Really? I totally saw that live. That, <laughs> if if you don't know what that kind of like, the, all the the Freemasonry and everything else, right? Like, and you're like, oh shit, man. Yeah. Like, Illuminati, Freemason, yeah. whatever. I don't know. I don't like. I haven't gone down. Like, I'm saying, I've been down that rabbit hole. Before. <laughs> some, people <laughs> those, yeah, some people in those circles, when they start looking at people who are like holding their hands like this in mm. pictures and things, you know, you see it all the time. You're like Angela Merkel, Stacey Abrams, you like, you name it. Like they all pose the same way with these ridiculous hands. And you're like, Oh yeah. Hey man. All right. Maybe there is something to do that kind of stuff. Do you listen to Mark Passio at all? No, I have no time. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah. Mark Passio is, uh, he and Scott Horton, could go toe to toe with who okay. could talk the longest. Okay. Oh. But Mark is unbelievable. He held positions, both high ranking positions within kind of Judeo Christian churches, but also the church of Satan. He has a extremely, like, wow. <laughs> he has like an extremely interesting viewpoint because he talks about the co-opting of religion and how the, the, traditional religions that most people look to as these kind of bastions of light are actually these corrupted manipulative systems that are not even close to what, you know, uh, uh, and, and he considers himself, you know, he basically, the talk he gave at Anarcho Poco was, uh, the problem with anarchy is, um, essentially, a, a lack of objective morality, right. Um, which I didn't necessarily agree with his conclusion, mm-hmm. but the path he goes down is incredible because he talks about some of these things that we've talked about from a standpoint of, you know, uh, religious cultural uh, effects and how those have kind of seeped into essentially distort 
you know, the, the view of what's good and bad or what's evil yeah. and, and, and good, you know, I will leave you with this on that note, right? This is something that I think is there, there, there is a spiritual miss in, in, you know, in our world right mm. now. And because of, I think a lot of things have gotten perverted, um, throughout the ages with whatever is, you know, quote unquote religion, there's a great book, uh, the immortality key. And when, yeah, and and absolutely unbelievable. When you get to the part towards, you know, the end where he actually gets to enter the, the, the Catholic church and go through some of their very, um, protected areas, Mm. um, you start to see that the Catholic Church took things like psychedelics out of the Eucharist that were in the Eucharist. And there was a big fight by some people in the Catholic Church to preserve the Eucharist and the psychedelics in what they called the glue of humanity, right? This, mm. this mind expansion. And you will never, like most people would be like, oh yeah, you know, the war on drugs and all that kind of stuff. No. War on drugs actually started with the Catholic Church in the New World here when they started going after things like peyote and like peyotes is called like Saint John something or another or whatever. But in in when you when you look at what it is, because like I I wasn't that guy that grew up. I was like that guy that was like, hey, don't do drugs right there. Well, I'll like keep you know whatever. And then like later in life, PTSD and all that kind of stuff, I found psychedelics and. Yeah. It's it honestly gave me back my humanity. And that's how I knew that what this guy was saying was right. And I was yeah. just like, now it's backed up by so much. But I I recommend anybody who, if you're still giving money to possibly the Catholic Church, um, that's where the war on drugs started. And when you understand why it started there, it was to disconnect you and put a middleman in between what you really are and what really is versus you know this now very controlled very um what's the word placebo type of we'll keep the 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 method of communion we're just going to take out what communion actually is yeah so unbelievable stuff yeah i just put the book in my amazon cart i i love it we'll have to do a book review of it yeah we'll do maybe we'll invite you back to to (laughs) talk about it let's do it and and then we could totally get this YouTube channel nuked because <laughs> I, there's a slot on my resume for no piss off the Catholic Church. <laughs> um, before you go, as you're healing with your back, yeah. Oh, the red light. You should look into red light therapy. I have. I don't know. I do. You have. You do. You have. Do you have one for home that you can do every day? I don't. Not yet. It's. I have. Like I can give Matt the the. I have a link to a really good one that a friend of mine, doctor, a friend of mine, her doctor gave her and it's not super expensive, but I would say it's probably worth it. I'm going to get a lot of prescription here in the very near future for things exactly like that. So, yeah, Yeah. I also have, if you want, you know, when you go off, I have a name of a homeopath who can work with you over the phone that I trust immensely. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking for all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I trust right. her immensely. So uh, we've kept you long enough uh, for anyone who's made it to the end. Where can people find uh, your stuff? I, I linked Ungovernable Pod 
an ungovernable pod, radicalpod.com in the details of the broadcast. Um, is that the only spot or can they find you elsewhere? That's it, brother. I mean, shanehazel.com and radicalpod.com. They're all kind of the same until about next week. And then uh, shanehazel.com will have its own new revamped governor website. But uh, yeah, man, all that stuff's there. And man, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Jocelyn's very cool to hang out with you as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, to, to push this, you know, relationship that we've had for a, a couple of years now, man, and to you know, really see how things are evolving, how you're evolving, your family and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's really like, I, I just find uh, just a great optimism in what's going on with people. I, poor Shane was on one of the first episodes I ever did where I had him <laughs> and Kokesh and I'm talking monarchist bullshit and him and Kokesh are like, pulling me like in, in two opposite directions like in awesome directions uh, i like you know freaking blowing my mind you know look and, and i'm like I'm, I'm like should i give away pocket constitutions to people and shane's like fuck that shit <laughs> um Look, we're gonna have to make it down. We definitely have to take a trek down to Georgia. So we're 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 going to stop off in North Georgia. Maybe, maybe I'll see you guys in Jersey in October. Uh, Are yes. you coming to Jersey? Sounds like it might be. Oh, that's I, fun. You 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 let me know. I'll I'll make sure that at least I'm there. If not the whole clan, I'll I'll get you there. We'll get a babysitter. Beware. Oh, I was gonna say beware. And that's why beware. people call you guys. <laughs> the whole clan there. No thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just have the dogs watch them it'll be all right, That's right. <laughs> all right uh we are back next week i forget who we have next week i don't know but i have to get in touch with my human design lady uh yes we have human out. design come up and we got scotty business we're gonna be talking bitcoin i gotta have you back on too because we gotta talk more bitcoin and stuff like that um but we're gonna ask whether or not crypto failed because of what happened with the confiscations with Bitcoin and stuff like that. So um, we might have Maj Dre. And we're, and we're going to have Maj on with um, Devad and we're going to talk about um, conflict resolution, nonviolent conflict resolution, which would be fantastic. So um, we have another episode next week, Monday night, live, 9 p.m. Shane, have a good evening. Take care of the back. <laughs> Thanks, man. Peace. <laughs>